This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And we are live. What's up, everybody? It is Ebontis here, hosting the last word tonight with my co-host, Mr. Tie Guy Travis. Cognito is out at PAX East, so he is busy in the other gaming sphere, actually talking to real people, shaking hands, taking pictures. He's doing what he loves. He's out there mingling, networking, and I know he's having a blast, but he could not be here tonight because he was not going to make it back to his hotel and probably won't be back till the show's over and long beyond that, so... We have to hold down the fort tonight, but before we get going of anything else, Travis, what have you been up to this week, man? It's been a, it's been an interesting week. Um, one of my reviews I wrote a couple of weeks ago came out on Monday to thunderous applause, and by applause I mean booze, uh, uh, Postal 4, which you can read on IG.com, and then uh, I am nearing completion of another review for a game that's going to come out early May uh, called Trek to Yomi, um, which I can't really talk about yet, but... Uh, I'm, I'm deep into that review, so just keeping the content grinding through and nice. trying to play some Destiny when I have time. So that's Trek to Yomi, kind of week. like a 2D Ghost of Tsushima feelish. Is that? Um, I wouldn't describe it as a Ghost of Tsushima. No, I would say it's it's more like um, it's like if a 2D hack and slash game was trying to make you feel like you were inside a 1920s, 1930s black and white samurai movie. Okay. Like, like it's very, very different stylistically. It's got more kind of focus on like cinematic sort of feel. So um, interesting game. though. It's on my radar. So I'll be curious when I know you can't say anything yet, but that's very exciting. Um, as for me, I dodged jury duty yesterday, which I would have been in today, possibly tomorrow, possibly on Monday. Like they go in and they're like, yeah, this case could take like three days. It was going to be for a felony charge. So I'm like, oh, dear. Uh, but they, it was absolute chaos. And honestly, I like, it's, it's a weird description if you're curious about it, but it was with COVID trials have been very weird and hard to do. I know for the courts and everything just due to trying to get people together and then select juries and stuff. So they're starting to do a little bit more. This one was bizarre. So normally a jury is like 12 people. It always is, but there was a hundred people called. And they had him spread out in this like big room. So it was like, you know, every third seat was a numbered person. And you had a row between. So they were all spread out for COVID and spacing. And then they went through and did this entire process. But the worst part was that process didn't start until 1130 or 15. And I got there at eight. We sat there for like three hours waiting for the judge to show up. Oh, wow. She, she said she got called to something else. I have no idea what it was. We didn't get any details. By the time we got done, I didn't, we didn't know who was selected for the jury until four o'clock in the afternoon. And I got there at eight. So it takes the process of like going through and doing like the jury selection questions from the prosecutor and the defense. And they're asking questions, but they're asking them to a hundred different people. So it's chaos. And then people are in the back of the room. So the court court reporter can't hear him. So there's some person trying to walk the mic around this ridiculous row of chairs and everything. Um, and, you know, just some of the questions were like, I can tell you guys it was for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. That was going to be the charge. In the state where I live, the range of punishment is probation 
to life for that. That is the range of punishment. So okay. that's that's probably the one that may have gotten me out. <laughs> they're like, can can you in your right mind consider the full range of punishment? And I'm just going to leave that question with you guys, because that one got a whole lot of discussion around the room, amongst some other things. But that was the one that got some discussion. Anyway, thankfully, I did not get picked. Um, so I was able to do all of the things that happened today. Thank goodness. Uh, Outriders got the World Slayer. Um, basically launch preview today. So I know you covered I that. I forgot Mike. to mention that. Yeah, I was like, you covered that, that for yeah. IGN. I covered it on my channel. So World Slayer is going to be launching on June 30th. Same day as actually Monster Hunter or Sunbreak, which is kind of surprising. Um, but yeah, that one's going to have full expansion, new levels, like Paragon levels, kind of like Diablo for leveling up. Looks like it could be fun. I mean, I enjoyed my time. I know some people had major issues, but hopefully at this point, it's less of a technical issue and hopefully some people have fun. But I think that's yeah, all I've yeah. got to say. So we've got a nice guest that's waiting for us. Uh, but yeah, my jury jury summons. I'm just so thankful I'm not sitting there today. But before we get into it, let's get this thing started. Welcome to The Last Word, episode number 194. Bungie dropped the mother of all twabs on us earlier today. Outriders is coming back for its encore tour. And Nicolas Cage is in a movie about Nicolas Cage. With a lot to cover, we have a man who is ready to get down to brass tacks and talk all things Destiny. Maybe only Destiny, but we'll also have some jokes about that one. He's a veteran gamer who started with the 8-bit classics, so appreciation for platformers was ingrained early on. Sports here, shooters there. He dabbled in mini games over the years, but then came Destiny. And this man has not looked back. A Titan at heart knows that like Captain America, sometimes you really do have to punch your way out of the situation. But he really is well-versed in all the classes because he does solo guides for each and every one of them all the time. Need to solo a Nightfall on any level, including Grandmaster? This man will get you through it. If you, if you can do something solo in the franchise of Destiny, it's fair to say that he has likely done all of it. I have to tip my hat to him, though. He has enough time to put out solo guides on some of the hardest content and 7,500 hours in the franchise to prove it and somehow juggle a life that has eight kids in it. My mind explodes just thinking about it. I'm not even sure this man sleeps, but when he does, I'm guessing it's an interruption that's not too far away. So let's welcome a man with so little left to do in Destiny, he debates on starting a new account just about every season, who became unshackled from his previous clan, which is fitting because he plays all the content solo anyway. And overall, just an ultra nice guy. The one, the only, M Live Mondo. How are you doing tonight, sir? I am very good, thank you very much. That, that, that was quite cool. I enjoyed that. <laughs> well, happy to have you man, here. I know I've kind of happy chatted with here. you off and on on Twitter and YouTube and stuff over the years. And somebody in the comments is like, did he just say eight kids? Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, I don't have any, um, <laughs> I have two dogs. I don't know how you have 7,500 hours in this franchise, which is more than I've got probably between either piece of the game. Managed to record guides and put out content. And you've got eight. I, you've got to tell me how you juggle all of that because alone eight kids. I don't know how you sleep ever. So you uh, got to uh, tell me how this balance works. I'm, I'm secretly an octopus. I have eight hands. Oh, your wife must like that. She does. It means I can do the dishes, the washing. <laughs> <laughs> I can do the dishes, the washing, and change the kids at the same time. Uh, no, uh, I play during a time where the kids are down and sleep and stuff. And 
I mean, you've got to remember Destiny's been out since 2014 and my three youngest were all born after that. Oh. So I started off with, you know, had plenty of time to play. I still have a decent amount of time to play now. I've got a very supportive partner who uh, allows me to do this. And is, in fact, my full set up in front of me, she actually bought me. She's the one that kitted all this out. I didn't do any of it myself. Oh, wow. Nice. Very supportive. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't take me as long as people think to do all of this. So it's not like I'm sitting, you know, yeah, some of it I am, but other ones, I'm not sitting here for hours and hours and hours trying to get the run. It's just like, oh, let me get a quick grandmaster real quick. All right, let me make some breakfast for the kids. We're good. Just knock it out. No big deal. No, no. The, the, the glassway was definitely not like that because you have three attempts at the glassway. It's four hours. You yeah. know, three attempts is four hours because it's, it's an, about an hour and 20, an hour and 25 minutes per run. And th- <laughs> the the Monday night, I'd done three runs and got to the same wyvern. <laughs> oh. And the same wyvern was like, I think I recognize you. <laughs> Did you not learn the last thing? Don't come from over there. I'll teleport past all your shots right into your face. And then the next morning, I got it first run. So Nice. Yeah, I saw you actually tweeted you got that just like right before reset. So five you... minutes before the servers went down. Whew. Unbelievable. That's a. That's I was a looking nice... at the. T- well, yeah, I was looking at the time, thinking, "Please give me the time to finish this. This is such a good run." Yeah. Why do you do it? Uh I mean, there's there's two. There's a funny answer, <laughs> but the real answer is, I don't know. I, I suppose it's like anybody in any walk of life. You, you know, I'm I'm not. I don't have this predisposition to put myself through all of this. But it is the question: uh, Could I do that? And if I can do it, can I show someone how to do it? Can I make someone's life easier with a guide where I talk through? Every single little piece of information that got me killed or that I noticed is something to avoid or something to take advantage of. And at the end of the day, if I'm being honest, and you guys as content creators and as uh, writers and reviewers, there's nothing better after you've made a piece of content for somebody to say that helped. Yeah. You no, know, that that, that informed my decision, that informed my loadout. I couldn't have done this without the run, or it helped the run. That's why I do it. No, it's a good feeling knowing that you've helped people. That's what's like, the joke answer? Yeah, I was like, what's the other answer? Right, the, the real answer is uh, money. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this money's coming from, but it's, <laughs> there's money somewhere. No, I, that, that's the real answer. Yeah. No, I mean, that's... I'm a, the joke I've, answer is I'm a sadomasochist. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the go. that's the real joke answer, there or the go. real honest answer, depending on what we're going for. No, I mean I've been, I kind of started my thing the same way, similar mentality of Nightfalls and Destiny One, same thing. I went through and was like, hey, some of my friends dropped off, so I ended up doing stuff solo. Hey, if I can do this, maybe I can do the same thing. So I know it's like honestly, you and I sound very similar 
in what we've done. I haven't done as much solo stuff as you have more recently. I used to do it a lot more. Uh, I'll do more Lost Sector guides, but yeah, like the higher level Nightfalls and stuff, you make them look pretty easy, man. So it is it is impressive work just to knock out a Glassway solo Grandmaster and just clutch it up right there five minutes before a reset. So that's yeah. actually really, really cool. You guys will know when you do something like that, there's a different feeling after the completion. It's not like, oh, cool, I can just now get that edited, get it up. There's a, there's a setback in the seat going, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with that one. Because I still think it's the hardest Grandmaster. I think the other Grandmasters that can compete with it are only hard because of the acute burn. This was hard before the acute burn. Oh, Glassway? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it's it's an endurance it's an endurance test as well. I mean it's it's twenty-three minutes on average to get to the boss. So you're an hour at the boss, which is ridiculous for any strike. You know, you can knock out two raids, you know, almost. Yeah. In the time you're doing a solo GM. Yeah, that's a lot of patience to It's a lot of focus. The yeah. focus has got to be there. You can't make a, you know. No. I finally soloed my first GM. I did Arms Dealer. It's like by far like the easiest one. But I mean, I finally soloed my first GM probably before reset as well, actually. I think it was Monday nice. when I did mine. Uh, and totally cheese the boss, by the way. Use the grenade method. Didn't mind. But I mean, yeah, it is one of those things. You'll get to a point where it's like you'd start out and if you just sneeze the wrong way, it's four bullets from the barrier Colossus or, you know, look the wrong direction for a rocket. There's very, very little margin for error. It is patience to learn and practice to know where you have a little bit of give experience. and take. Yep, it is. It is it's experience. experience. To know where you to go. don't get that without, well, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. And, and then... Once you go in on it, you know I guess then. my question about why you do it is more that, like, at least with solo grandmasters, like, nobody has to do those. No. In, in fact, I would argue that there's probably an extremely, extremely small pool of people who even want to try to be a grandmaster nightfall probably. solo. You know what I mean? So, like, if you're not getting special rewards for it and there's not a lot of people out there trying to do it, what drives you guys to want to do that? completely optional kind of hurdle of, of doing See, something solo. Because I feel like I've got whatever it is that can work that out. Right? Well, I, I'm, other people can decide what that trait is. But I feel like whatever it is, I'm pretty good at working stuff like that out. And, it, and, I, and I think if you see someone do it, and you watch a guide like that, it can inform you on what you would do different and it can help teams get it done. And it's not so much a solo guide for solo players. It's a guide on how the encounter works and what's different in a grandmaster and where's the best place to be and you know where you're safe to attack from. And if you see one person doing it, a team can take advantage of that. So what I get from it is really the knowledge that I could be helping people get through that. Yeah. You know, that's why I started YouTube. I didn't start it to become, you know, people recognize me or know my name or stuff. I was talked into doing it because for the whole of D1, that's what I was doing. I was soloing all the Nightfall soloing raids. You know, and my buddies were like, you know, you should start making guides because you simplify everything for people. And that's where it started. I didn't even watch YouTube until D2. <laughs> I'd never seen a YouTube video before I actually started making YouTube videos. Well, very nice. 
was like, honestly, yeah, it's like we kind of feel some similarities in there. Shout out real quick to Gaming Forte with the $5 super chat. Bungie put a tombstone on the grave of my deer hunter. I didn't crutch stompies, but this will hurt most people. Not feeling the Arbalist nerf at all. I will get to that, and believe me, the Arbalist nerf doesn't feel great to me either. I guess it is a bit of a multi-tool. They had to take one of them away, but yeah, not a big fan of it. Anyway, um, anything else you want to ask, Travis, or we have a giant twab to cover, perhaps? I say let's jump into that twab, man. There's enough meat on the bone for a a four-hour show. Yeah. So we got, as I said in the intro, the mother of all twabs. And a lot of this is from the sandbox um, designer, Chris Proctor. He was the one who put most of this together. And the main pieces they go over, they had a handful of goals that they wanted to cover from the team. They made a lot of changes to get into the air. Glaives. Those are actually getting a little bit of a a rework. I'm not sure they're going to be the ultimate be-all end-all. But again, they do are getting some love. Flinch, airborne accuracy, those are huge, huge chunks. I'm not going to go into all of the nuances of every single number, but there is some noticeable things to call out, especially that Hunter nerf as well. is like one of them that people are going to be, you know, losing their mind over on Twitter for a little while. Oh, yeah. One hit kills, Crucible, special ammo. They've got some interesting numbers and graphs where they can actually show you the data, which is cool. And then just general stuff for like exotics, weapons, and a lot of other stuff. So the biggest thing that they talk about is the main pieces are the goals and some of the goals, just if they're going to go over some of the high level pieces are they want to introduce levels to tune how levers to tune how players build for airborne gunplay. So they want to make people, if they want to play into a being airborne advantage that you're going to have to lean into that a little more, that it's going to take a little more of your build to, lean into that as opposed to just kind of getting it with, say, one mod on a gun. Uh, They want to have players have an ability to mitigate flinch. So flinch is one of those things a lot of people have had issues with. People are going to be able to invest in flinch resistance, and depending on the type of weapon, depending on the subclass, depending on all of the different pieces, you can lean very far into that if that's your thing. They want to reduce the number of one-hit kills in PvP. Special weapon, they want to have the primary gunplay still shine a little bit more, really get into, like, one-on-one gunplay fights as opposed to just the one-off bam, snipers, shotguns, fusions. All of those things they still see as quite high. They made a very substantial change to that. And then just common feedback on weapons, like legendaries that aren't really feeling too great, exotics that aren't being used, or a couple that are overperforming. And it's just a huge pass on weapons going into season 17, which is going to launch in literally just about a month. So the first one is going to be glaives. They say glaives should activate perks that trigger based on melee damage or kills. They should not activate on perks that trigger off powered melee kills. Picture any of your melee abilities that you have for your character. Melees should benefit from melee damage buffs like Worm God Caress or Winter's Guile. They should not benefit from weapon damage buffs or melees, I'm sorry, should not benefit from weapon buffs like Rampage or Kill Cup or Swashbuckler, but Projectile should. So those are the main things they're going for with Glaives. Now, they already did some changes in Season 16, but in Season 17, they are pushing the Glaives deeper into their roles as hard-hitting melee damage, near-complete protection when shielded, and increasing projectile speed. So, so I think very little people surprised because Impulse Amplifier was extremely popular on Glaives. They've boosted the projectile speed. If you have a zero stat on range, it's going to go from a 30 to a 60. 
so it's going to double that meters per second. And then at 100 stat on range, it's going to go from 80 to 100. So the range was 30 to 80. Now it's 60 to 100. So it's going to be a much faster projectile. The energy drain on your shield is going to be 30% slower. The melee damage versus PvE enemies, except bosses and vehicles, is going to be 25% increased. And uh, the Glaive Shield grants a 97.5% PvE damage resistance. PvP, 75%. Um, that surprised me, actually. That 95% surprised me. That, yeah. That's, that, is a, that is an absolute metric ton of damage. Well, it's practically total, da total resistance. Yeah, I mean, you're taking 2.5% damage in PvE if you pull out that shield. So if you do play into a Glaive, if you need Unstoppables this season... If you're running for, right now I've only got Void and Solar, if you need that type of shield. I mean, I even listened to Datto talking about his one of the Master Raid video. He was using on Lubre's Ruin for an Unstoppable and Solar damage. So he's like, he was actually using that for an archetype. This will make it much more viable for those moments. You're like, I'm going to die. You pop the shield. You're likely going to survive most of what comes at you. Travis, I wanted to get your thoughts on... Our glaives are just like, are they a joke to you now? Do you feel like these might actually make them viable? Where are glaives for you at this moment? And does this glaives. like appeal to you? Glaives, am I a joke to you? Um, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> glaives sort of came in hot and then a lot of the momentum came out of them. And I think partially because of the changes that they made to seasonal mods, which we've kind of never done before. I'm not really sure why they did that. Yeah. I, th I thought seasonal mods were supposed to be overpowered. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I do think that if they want glaives to be useful, they need to make some sort of changes to it. I think the shield is good, especially for PvP. Uh, obviously, PvE, it's good too. The projectile change is probably the biggest change that needed to happen, just because the you know time to the velocity, I guess they call it, time to reach the enemy, um, yeah. is makes it basically impossible to use in PvP. Uh, and even in PvE, it's annoying, you know, yeah. with how many characters can disappear and teleport and do like twitch dodges and stuff like that. It just can really get irritating. So, um, yeah, I, I think overall, like this may be an overcorrection to uh, Mondo's point. Like I was surprised at the 95 percent or whatever it was. 97.5 percent. 97.5 percent. Yeah, I was surprised by that, too. But also. If you are using that shield, you can't really attack while you're using it. So I don't know if I'm pretty sure you can fire the energy. I was like, blast I think you can fire while you're holding. You can fire it. the energy blast while you're holding it down. While you're shielded, yeah. God damn, yeah, that right does seem front, a little OP. Right in front of unstoppables, because it's yeah. got unstoppable glaive. Yep, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, so I, I think they may have overcorrected. Then I, I think is my my first thoughts just reading it. So we'll see. Um, but I, either way, they had to do something if they want people to actually use glaives for real and not just for memes. So Yeah, especially when, as you said, the mods did get nerfed. But if you take away the mods this season that leaned into them pretty heavily, if you take most of them away next season, which we don't yeah, know what we're going to have. Joke. Yeah, you yeah. would need something to make them worthwhile. So I'm happy to see those. What about you, Mondo? Anything on those outside of obviously the damage resistance we all think is pretty high? Yeah, uh, I think I think mods, I think, sorry, I think glaives... I don't know. I don't know how anybody would think that they haven't been good so far. If you take... Really? Yeah, yeah, 100%. If you take... Now, just to add to Abontus' point, some of the seasonal mods do increase the validity within PvE, obviously, the suppressant glaive being the main one. But all the subclasses have... So if you've got that suppressant 
uh, Glaive, all the subclasses have melee kill start health regeneration, which works for the melee on the Glaive. Hmm. So if you nice. just go through a whole heap of enemies, you come out of there generating your health and the speed that you can melee from as well. I'm glad that the velocity of the, the energy blast has been changed because you really have to lead an enemy with that shot. They've got to run into the shot, especially because, as you've already alluded to, they'll move. I mean, there's very little enemies that stand there waving from 30 meters. Hey, you know, they're all <laughs> on the bike. They're all gone. The biggest change, and I know you haven't covered it yet, and I'm pretty sure you're going to come to it next because it's right below it. Exotics, yeah, we'll get the exotics. Yeah. That, that's that's going to be that's going to be big. So yeah, the exotics yeah. have all been buffed. To no surprise, they've been a joke to a lot of people because to take an exotic slot, your one exotic slot, it's got to be potent. And in my mind, I'm still not entirely sure some of these are going to do it for some people because to overpower things like Arbalist for its functionality or Galahorn or many other things that we're actually going to talk about that got powerful. I'll still be curious if these like jump into people's loadouts for more than a meme, but still Titan Glaive will now gain void overshield while inside the bubble and Helm of Sate 14 will also apply to the bubble as it does for Ward of Dawn. So it's smaller, but you're going to get most of the effects of the actual bubble, the overshield. So being inside the bubble is much less of a joke. The Warlock Glaive, I think, is the one we've got to see the most in action because it increases the speed and acceleration of the healing turret projectiles. I mean, if it's like firing them out rapid fire, that'd be cool, but I don't know if they're going to quite take it to that level. The Hunter Glaive is they're going to... This is when you know something was not strong enough. When you read the numerical values, Hunter Glaive, they tripled the damage of the wave detonation and increased the number of enemies it can hit from four to eight. So yeah, the Hunter Glaive was not good. And definitely not worth your time. But the fact that they tripled the damage, that's really substantial. And then also the number of chained enemies doubled. So yeah, the Hunter Glaive got a lot of love. I still don't know if one attack is worth your exotic slot. I'll have to see, but what do you guys think? Triple damage could be good. I mean, that could be like a super grenade. Um, I think the main thing here is how much quick, more quickly uh, the, the special abilities charge. To me, that was the big problem with these weapons is yeah. that... You know, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze when it came to, you know, I used to kill, I think it was like eight things before, before you got to. It was like six Titan and bubble. now it's down to four, I think, as if that's yeah, the way so that works. Six down to four. Yeah. So I think that is huge. Um, but yeah, with all the other changes, especially the ones they made to the Titan one, which is the one I was trying to use, uh, you know, making it work with Saint-14, making it actually give you an overshield. So it's not like you're just sitting in it for fun. I think those are both... Uh, very big changes, so I'm happy with it. We'll nice. see. We'll see if it's good, though. Yeah. The t the Titan Glaive, the the you've used that, Travis, right? Yeah. So, am I correct in saying that when you fire down the bubble, it can't be destroyed? Uh, it, I think it can be destroyed by damage. I well, I I it, I'm pretty sure. I'm just uh, you've used it more than I have, because uh, the Titan one's the one I haven't used. That was the last one got I got, it. so I haven't tested that one. I'm pretty sure the thing about it is it lasted 30 seconds regardless, regardless of, damage. of damage. Now that you've mentioned it, I don't know if I've ever seen it get destroyed, but I also was just like kind of playing around with it in random activities. Yeah. And I was just like, God, you have to kill a lot of things to even get this to trigger, and then it doesn't give you any sort of benefit running inside it. And I was just like, ah, I'm just going to take this off. So that would be an interesting really That would be interesting to experiment with. Like, I don't know if it's based off of your resilience, the way the actual Ward of Dawn is... 
I've never experimented with that much. I did get that one. Like, that was my first one, obviously, because I played on my Titan the most. But if it's got the potential to last for a very long time, in certain encounters, it could be huge. Because you could do a bubble and you could do... Massive. That could be big. And getting the replenishable overshield and the blinding effect. I mean, you could literally put that over an ad spawn door and just be like, we don't have to worry about those. Yeah. Anything that comes out of there is all of a sudden... You know, I see the light. The Warlock Glaive, that is very interesting because I did play with that. If you put that healing turret down, now you guys have done the the memory missions for a Sabathon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, there's one where you go in and there's like a massive wizard you've got to take out. It's like the, the memory protector. I can't remember what they're actually called. Mm. And I put one of them down and stood in front of her and that healing turret was healing me faster than she could damage me. And they've increased it. And Depends. it lasts a lot longer than you would think it does. I think that lasts for about 15, 20 seconds. Nice. Yeah, again, so, that's kind of the debate that I think I'll be curious to see is, is having the that was multi... <laughs> mul- yeah, the Hunter Glaive, yeah, exactly. Like The fact that they gave it triple damage is the numbers to all alone. But it's like, again, will you want to use an exotic glaive? Is the functionality enough to beat out other things? And that's just, I think, what we're going to have to see. If it's barrier and overload, probably not. If it's unstoppable involved, it might give you yeah. a little more incentive to experiment, depending on what you're facing, what your class you're in is. A GM. If you're in a GM, it could, it could end up being very similar to the way people use Divinity. You know, someone have a void glaive on kill those four enemies, and now we put a bubble up and everybody gets a replenishable overshield and just charge your shot back up. Now, it does say to void overshield while inside the bubble. That may be one of those that when you pop out, it's gone. So that may be where they kind of balance that out. But the Helm of Saint-14 gives you an overshield when you go inside that. If it works the way Helm of Saint-14 does, it gives you and your teammates an overshield to bring out of the bubble. Okay. And every time you go back in, it replenishes it. So maybe it really enemies. leans into, like, if you're going to go that way, you want to run that exotic as well. If that's the they case, needed then... needed to do it. Yeah. They were so underwhelming. They needed to increase them somehow. Yeah. So yeah, Glaives getting some love, both in damage resistance, projectile speed, pretty much lots of things that everybody was asking for, and the exotics get a buff. So we will have to see how they feel, but definitely feels like it will be worth the test for sure. Second major change, flinch. A lot of people have issues with this. A lot of people are annoyed by it. A lot of people can't stand the fact that it happens to them. Why is flinch even there? Some people, like other games, if you get hit, you'd pop out of ADS scope. So it varies depending on what game you're playing, what you're used to. But flinch is a thing, depending on if you do weapon testing at all. And what they're doing is they have rebuilt, before I say this one, shout out to Necromancer Zale. $10 super chat. In your opinion, which exotic weapon got the best buff? When we get to those, I promise you we Arbalist. will tell you. I hate you. Don't, don't kill you. Killed my Arbalist. Oh, That's blessed. my real answer. <laughs> Serious. Uh, Thunderlord may be very Loving potent. Loving the hate, Travis. <laughs> Thunderlord may be very potent, but that's like a random off the cuff because I know uh, Machine Gun's got a buff. But uh, they rebuilt the stability weapon stat to grant flinch resistance in addition to its other effects. So with a maximum flinch resistance of 10 to 25%, depending on the weapon archetype. So if you have 100 stability on, say, an auto rifle, you get 25% flinch resistance. If you have 100 stability on a sniper rifle, you get 10% flinch resistance. 
And then it goes in that it can pair with other things because also they've added to resilience, which for the Titans, um, oh yeah, Graviton, Lance, and Xeno. We'll definitely talk about those. Resilience stat is now also going to give you up to a 10% flinch resistance buff as well. Titans already lean into it anyway for the barricades. So some of us right now, especially with Void 3.0, may get even a little extra benefit. Now, 10% isn't the biggest amount of flinch resistance in the world, but they basically describe an idea of if you stack most everything, you can get almost up to like 90% flinch resistance. So if you take 100 stability Suros pulse rifle with 10 resilience, so tier 10, not 10, but actually like 100, no distractions on an, a primary weapon, which I really don't see using. So that one's like, I guess if you're going for extreme, two unflinching pulse rifle mods and behind a rally barricade, you can have 90% flinch resistance. So if you want to not worry about flinch, if you get shot and you're like, I don't care, I'm still going to be a laser beam, you can lean into it, which is one of the things like a big theme about kind of a couple big chunks of this weapon change is if there is something you want to lean into now for how your weapons feel, you actually have the ability to try and build into that depending on your class, your armor, your weapon, and all of the pieces involved. Um, do you guys have any thoughts about flinch? Is it something you even care about that much? Either of you guys. Travis, you look like you're being very pensive right now. Yeah, I do care about flinch. Uh, I think it's an important part of any um, game that has multiplayer and Destiny does have multiplayer because it really only comes into account in multiplayer. Like obviously in PvE, it matters too, but it's not like... I think people view flinch as something that hurts them, but the way I view it is it's something that helps me because if somebody's aiming on you with a sniper rifle and you manage to get a shot on them and they shoot you in the head anyway, it could be really frustrating for you to be like, how the heck was I shooting somebody in the face? And they managed to like, sh you know, counter snipe me when I was yeah, hitting that, them. And so I agree. Can, I've had that run through yeah. my head multiple times. I'm like, yeah, that, that I can, just, that can I be just really tagged you. How could you have got that yeah. shot off? Yeah, exactly. That can be really irritating. So I view it as, something that has to be a part of the sandbox and um, and it can actually be helpful to you as a player if there is flinch. But I do think that um, there should be a way to override it to your point to the to Bungie's point. And I think largely this entire blob was about them making improvements to build crafting, you know, and, and the ways that you can kind of like spec out your character. And so it's a very interesting dynamic to me choosing, well, do I want my character to have better recovery so that my health can come back longer or uh, faster, or do I want to be able to take more damage and not have to worry so much about dodging and jumping in the air and that sort of thing, because I can just like counter the flinch and, uh, and then just like beat them. You know what I mean? And so I like that dynamic a ton. It's a super Titan philosophy. Also not one I really share. I tend to be a Titan that moves around a lot. Like I'm always sliding and like, you know, I'm, I kind of have like a almost a hunter kind of dance uh, on my brain, which is probably uh, something that I got from playing uh, so much Halo. Um, but uh, it, it is, uh, I think it's very cool that they're doing this. And I like that they gave multiple ways for you to counter it uh, and, and that sort of thing. So um, I'll be interested to see. I, I imagine that this one's going to have a ton of like changes to it. They're going to have to like fine tune this thing down perfectly, but I love that they're adding it to, uh, the one of the elements that you can kind of build craft. And I think resilience is also the right one to add it to because resilience yeah. has always felt a little underwhelming. So yeah, um, yeah I, I like all of this. I think this is a great change. Mondo, what about you, man? I think well, I, agree, I agree with what's been said to a degree. Uh, it's good that it it's annoying, but it's there's a reason for it. 
But I think what this is going to do, it's, it's great that you can, you know, I, I, again, I'm just repeating this part of what's been said before. It's great that you now you can build craft into this. Because for people that really go in for this, especially in Crucible, it's just more things to look at now. It's a different build to try and get, you know, it's just more of more. And, you know, I think what this is going to do, I wonder how this all works when you throw into the mix high caliber rounds and stuff. You know, there are uh, perks that are built to flinch you even more. So is that going to bring them to the fore? I mean, in PvP, you might see somebody where if you put high caliber rounds on a scout rifle, if somebody's sniping, that may be your play. Because if you're like, hey, I can't seem to get this. This guy's hitting his shots no matter what. But you put high caliber rounds on it, you can get that reticle to move enough. That could be something that actually gets into it. So there one are of, some things of, that can counter it, as you said, which is yeah. good. But it, as you said, it also gives you the ability to lean into it if that's your play style. The Maid is one of the best ranged kind of anti-sniper weapons because it's like mid to long. You know, if you're really good, you can go close, but mid to long. The problem with it was the flinch, but because it's got high cal intrinsic, you know, it's not high caliber, but it's, you know, it knocks your head back intrinsically. If you can build craft into weapons like that, where you cannot get the flinch, or or you can not get the flinch, but, you know, you can dampen the flinch to a degree. Yeah. It it's it is going to bring different weapons into the sandbox that maybe people don't see at this moment in time with with this I think, information. I think that might be a separate stat based on what I was reading in the the TWAB because I think they're trying to make a distinction between flinch which is when you're getting shot versus recoil which is when you're shooting. And I think what yeah, you're describing is different. recoil. No, the the Maida, the Maida's recoil is recoil. But if you get shot while aiming the Maida, you're 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 practically bird watching straight away. The site goes all over the place. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the issue with the Maida. If you can build craft into this with the intrinsic perks that it actually has, that's what I'm saying. It's going to bring a lot of. This is very interesting for the stuff that's not on the page, the stuff that it suggests that could happen. You know? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I think it's awesome. We'll see. So yeah, I will be very curious to see if anybody makes like, hey, uh, you know, a crazy flinch build and actually shows, you know, the weapon testers out there are going to do the crazy stuff. They're going to go into private lobbies. They're going to be like, this is your flinch before. This is your flinch. This is you before this. This is you after like sounds like a terrible commercial or something, but I'll be waiting <laughs> this is your brain on drugs. Yeah, this is your brain on <laughs> drugs. No, but it actually it yeah. is. That is one they're of those gonna, things. They're going to do the test and then uh, reveal that f- the flinch stat actually does nothing, does not affect yeah, you. Yeah, that'll be what that's, it is. I, mean, I feel like that's what that's what happens like half the time they do the test. Yeah, they, like, they you know. very well could show that as well. The little reticle just looks like it's the same, I guess. Good to know. So, so the next big chunk, and this is probably one of the biggest with regards to numbers that I'm not going to go as deep into, but I got to give you a bit of an idea, is airborne effectiveness. Before getting into build crafting, we made a fundamental change to the modifiers applied while airborne. Your primary weapons will have less randomness in projectile accuracy in most cases. You have an accuracy cone somewhere in that cone, your bullet's bound to go. You'll have less aim assist instead. So if you're in the air, you're going to have less aim assist, less, you know, magnetism towards the head, which even could still be the wrong term. But on the other side, you're going to have less randomness. So it's going to make you basically have to aim is the biggest thing. If you're airborne, you are going to have to manage your aiming. The game is going to give you the least amount of help in a lot of cases. 
and they've got levels of stats. Now, this is a new stat that's going to be on weapons during season 17. It's going to be hidden from the game screen. But in season 18, they do mention several previously hidden stats, which I'm assuming this new one called airborne effectiveness. You've got aim assist, recoil direction. Um, there's probably one more that I'm missing. Those that you will go look in the API and see on sites like D2 Gunsmith and other places. Those are actually look like they're going to be on the weapon screen now, which is good because with so much information that we get in here, if you hide all of this stuff from a player, it's just a new player is going to be already lost anyway. You don't need to hide it. We need more information for the player to be able to see. So this is a good thing. But you've got basically different levels of this airborne stat. They say with no investment, zero to 30, a character will have a small accuracy penalty, but will have significantly lower aim assist. 31 to 50, around the same in-air accuracy as they would with Icarus but with still noticeably lower aim assist. So you've got to make the shots, but if you're accurate, you're accurate. Uh, with substantial investment, 51 to 70, a character will have better accuracy than normal weapons with Icarus. Uh, with few misses due to randomness, but still reduced aim assist. 71 to 99, they will have no airborne accuracy penalty with very slightly less aim assist. And then if you get to full 100 aim assist or airborne stat, you will have no airborne accuracy penalty and you'll have the same assist as you would standing on the ground. So if you lean into it heavily, really heavily, you can basically be just as effective if you are good as you are on the ground. Um, so that being said, the stat has been hand-tuned for all exotic weapons, everything that shipped in Season 16 and will be coming in 17, and everything that shipped uh, that's ever shipped as Trials or Nightfall loot. Older legendaries, because they can't get to them all, kind of have random, or not random, they have set archetype values that are just general per archetype class. They go into a lot more detail on a lot of this stuff with regards to aim assist cones and penalties for special weapons they basically say are going to be much less viable airborne. That's one of the main things they state is primary weapons are one thing they're trying to get us to lean into and you're not going to have as much of a penalty. Special weapons, much harder to manage if you are airborne, for example. Um... So basically, you'll notice you've got accuracy cone penalties, and then you've also got your aim assist and all that stuff. It gets into a lot of the nuance, um, but most weapons are going to have like a base stat value for legendary weapons, like hand cannons, somewhere between 0 and 25. Sidearms, 0 to 30. Uh, some Like snipers, 0 to 5. Shotguns, 0 to 5. Fusions, 0 to 10. Uh, breach loaders, 0 to 5. So if you go airborne, these base stat values for especially a lot of the special weapons are going to be very low. Uh, scout rifles, if you're airborne, a little bit lower. That's 0 to 20. Submachine guns, 0 to 30. So you can kind of get the feel of what's going to help you and what's not going to. There are some legendary weapons that are going to have like higher tiers of legendary weapons like Trials, Raids, Nightfall. will typically fall in the upper echelon, some exotics as well. Sweet Business, 27. Sunshot, 27. Rat King, 30. Huckleberry, 33. Traveler's Chosen, 35. Skyburner's Oath, literally built to float in the air, 35. Chaperone, 1. <laughs> if you want to hit your shot with Chaperone in the air, you're definitely going to have to make sure you're the one doing it. Ace of Spades, 14. They say it's plenty strong. It doesn't need any extra help. Thunderlord, 26. Random stuff like that. So, I mean, you can go through and look through all these numbers. Um, subclasses still will give some benefits to the airborne effectiveness stat. Heat rises is going to give you plus 70. 
So if you're running heat rises, you are nearly going to be like you're standing on the ground because that's going to cover most of the downfall that you're going to have. So warlocks, if you're playing the heat rises build, you're still probably going to be feeling pretty comfortable up there. Tempered metal. I don't even remember who that's specifically for. I keep reading it and the whisper of hedron stasis fragment is plus 20 after freezing a target. The tempered metal one is plus 20 after getting a solar weapon kill. So there's a couple subclass abilities that will help you be more effective airborne. Now there's a lot of exotic armor that is going to benefit you for being airborne, but there's one that will hurt you when you are airborne. And this is the giant issue on Twitter and it is stompies. Stompies is going to give you a minus 50 to your airborne effectiveness stat for all weapon types. So whether it's you a have hand- an applaud button. <laughs> hey, round of applause. Um, <laughs> I mean, cool guy's been talking about it. If you listen to him on some of his stuff, I know he's been saying it's coming for a while. A lot of people have, and they get to the point with stompies because if you look at the weapon, the exotic usage, they actually had a graph for it. Stompies are used by about 40, 45% of hunters in PVP. If the Bunchy doesn't like anything to have that much use, and if they're going to give you the mobility, now they're saying you're going to be less accurate in the air. If you want to be airborne, you might have to figure out another way to manage it. Things like Oath Keepers help for bows. Mechanier Strict Sleeves is 50 to sidearms. Ophidian Aspect is just 10 for all, which is weird because it's also used about as much, so that's an interesting one. Uh, random one. Wings of Sacred Dawn, plus 50 to all. So again, Warlocks can basically lean... It. Warlocks with Wings of Sacred Dawn and then uh, Heat Rises, uh, you're good to go. You're going to be floating Sniper Gods. I don't think that's going to change. But the Hunters with the minus 50 on Stompies, they're going to feel it. But that's the one every every Hunter is jumping and shooting you from above in the air. And apparently that was something they wanted to crap on. So I want that was one of the biggest things that I saw for Twitter, especially. A lot of the exotics will get like Foe Tracer, plus 20 to everything. <laughs> Hallow Fire Heart for Titans, plus 20 to everything. Uh, Lion Rampants, hip fire only, which is kind of weird, but interesting. Yeah. Peregrine Greaves, makes, already makes airborne with the shoulder charges, 20 to everything. Astrocyte Verse, 30. I have another world, 15. So you'd have to look through and see which exotic. And I, this is another thing. Like, if this is not told to you in game, it needs to be. Because if you pull it back to your war rig and you're like, cool, but if you jump in the air, now your auto rifle is a little better because you're wearing this exotic. It needs to tell us somewhere in game. So I do hope they start commuting more of this in-game knowledge. Anything that you guys see in here, or do you have any thoughts about the Stompies? Are you happy since we're all Titans? <laughs> yeah. I mean, good about the Stompies <laughs> is all I have to say about it. I mean, it's just, it, it, I have nothing against it, and I, I, I respect the Warlock jumping game, but it, it, was a, it was like oversized in its influence in PvP. It was a lot of people's entire strategy and um since it's so much harder for somebody to shoot you when they're on the ground especially when you're you know messing with the radar and getting caught up in pieces of the environment up there and you know just bouncing up and down like a bunny uh and are are just harder to shoot it should be harder for you to shoot back like it just it just should i you know i don't i don't know how else to put it so um this this patch makes sense to me this is another one where I assume that they're going to have to pull it back a little bit. I don't think it's going to go. It feels really because there's no other exotic that's a negative at all. And it's a negative 50. It's like they're just like, we just want to crap on stompies and see what else you guys use for a little while. This is one of those. As yeah. you said, this is a standout nail. We're going to smash it through the board. We're going to see what else you guys use and then maybe bring it back up a little bit. I agree with that. That feels like yeah. 
a heavy hit to see what else gets used and then see how it feels from there. Some people yeah. are saying, though, it does take away the identity of this is your airborne mobility exotic. Like, literally, Lion Rampant is similar, kind of, but you don't use it in PvP the same yeah, way. But, yeah, it, it's not used in PvP the same way. It, does, it also... Titans are extremely easy to hit when they're in the air. I would say the same is true of Warlocks. Hunters, just the way that their their jump moves, yeah. it's it's the best PvP jump because it 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 you know bounces. It makes it harder for you to hit. You're constantly you're, moving, even in the yeah, jump. You're constantly moving and changing directions and all that stuff. And if you can fire at an enemy with like aim assist and stability on your gun, and they're having to like constantly, it just it just makes it uh, really really hard to counter in a lot of situations. So. Um, yeah, I, I just think, you know, the stats kind of say it all, right? Like it's being used by so many hunters in PVP and I think there's a reason for it. And, uh, you know, we, I'm, I'm, this is coming from a guy who was sad to see what's going on with chaperone, uh, as a, as a chaperone, uh, player myself. But, uh, I, I also agree with that change. I mean, chaperone should be difficult to aim in air because it can one shot somebody if you get a headshot. So, yep. um, yeah, I, I think all around all the stuff they're doing with, kind of building out uh, airborne mechanics. I think that's right on the money. Bringing it forward and making it visible to players is great, and adding it as something that you can build for is great. Um, but I, I think if you if you create a path for people to build make airborne builds, that gives Stompies even more power because it means that you can build even more into that and make yourself just like a, a, a bouncing god. And I, I think Stompies had to go for this to happen. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I know it's going to sound like I'm just being a, a Titan shill, but like, good, Stompy's <laughs> needed to go, man. It just needed to go. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things about the charts. You see him, I mean, right now, Lorely Splendor is one of the Titan ones that's very busy, like very high in use right now. And even DMG said that one's like, that's getting ready to get hit, nailed too. So we know that one's coming. Warlock Ophidian Aspect though, that one's got about 35% usage. That is a very popular one. And that didn't get hit nearly as hard because that's a plus $10. It's not major, but it's also not negative, even though a lot of people are using it. It's not the same in mobility. It's not airborne built, but it is, you know, kind of there is high usage exotics that are not going to get hit quite as much, it seems. So I, I, as you said, I think you're right that it probably won't be as bad, but they probably do want to see what do hunters do if we knock this thing into the ground. That's one of their ways to do it. Sometimes they nerf or buff something so much they want to see what the shift in the meta is. What do you think, Mundo? You got any thoughts uh, on any exciting yeah, I, or terrifying moments here? Well, if we talk about the Stompy thing versus the Titan helmet, just that was right off the bat, and even the Ophidian aspects. The Ophidian aspects add, they, they increase something for the Warlock. The Stompies change something for the Warlock because... Years ago, I watched the video with Miss 5000 Watts where she was, before Icarus was a thing in the game, and because it wasn't to start with. And she was saying the reason why they've took it out is because vertical combat is the last thing on, you know, it's, it's the hardest thing to combat for the average player, the normal players, because you look forward, you don't look up all the time. You see that thing coming in front of you, that red marker on your radar, and the la the first thing you'll check is in front. Yep. And by that time, they've come out of the clouds with a shotgun or whatever. I think the reason why Aphidian Aspects add, a, a, obviously they, they grant a couple of things for the Warlock, but Stompies have been around forever. 
and they can pull, if you can use them, if you're good with them, and they've been around for that long that most hunters that use them, they're used to using them. Yeah. They can come out so far out of the sky. There's been plenty of times I've went, there's a guy around here somewhere, where is he? And then I've died, and this guy has still been five meters above me, mm-hmm. you know, when I've died. So, but again, like, like I said for the last change, uh, they spoke about uh, the improved air assault uh, perk. I mean, perks are going to come into this as well. It's all about what they're basically doing is, and I think we're all aware of this, the shift in the sandbox is not just to, you know, clarify what all these things are going to do. What Because there were some of the exotics that increased stuff that I didn't realize did increase stuff. Yeah. Well, Four Tracer. I didn't know that. That that was completely out of left field for me. But it's just about changing the sandbox in subtle ways, like making people have to build towards a certain... They want to keep playing the way they want to play. They've got to now build a different way. So I think Travis said this before about uh, changes coming in the TWAB and then you go out and you're like, no, this is no different. All of this needs to be seen to be, you know, we have to experience this to see how big a change these things are actually going to be and what's going to replace them. That aerosol filled me with a little bit of dread when I seen that they reworked it. We'll see what that does as well. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They This is the time to add that back yep. now that they're building it out. Because before, I think the problem with it was what was actually happening when you were airborne was like a black box. And now that they're bringing it to light, I mean, it makes sense. They need to yeah. expand that, that sandbox. And, so. and isn't season 17 where we're supposed to get new crucible maps? Uh, We get one, right? One new crucible map next season <laughs> and then supposedly season one. one. And then season 18 is supposed to be Are we not two supposed from to get Destiny- two- Two I thought Des- it was the other way. Oh. I thought it was two old ones next season and then new ones in 18. But maybe I've got it wrong. I, I, again, I, think, I could too. But one way, yeah. I think so 18, one of- we get, 18 we get the Rift mode back, right? So or we get D1 maps. Rift is supposed to be somewhere. They've said that. But we get two D1 maps, I think, in 18 or 17. Again, I have it backwards. And then the other season, whichever way it is, is one brand new map. So- exactly. Whatever way they're bringing it in, that's, I think this this has got a massive eye on whatever they're going to be doing with Crucible in 17. Yep. Mm. So yeah, they have one example, or they have a couple examples, if you guys like, for airborne effectiveness. If you want to take Frontier's Cry with Precision Hand Cannon Bonus, Icarus Grip, and Lucky Pants, you get your airborne effectiveness up to 79. With Submission, Icarus Grip, Stompies, and Tempered Metal, you've got 12. 12. So yeah, Stompies is going to make building into airborne effectiveness just difficult. And that may be one you might have to try and find every other way to make it effective, or you've just got to learn to aim better. And that's one of those things. If they want to reward the people who are good at aiming because they said the randomness of the accuracy cone is actually going to be less, but aim assist is also going to be less if you're in the air. Also, like take Skyburner's Oath and and Heat Rises. You're literally capped at 100. So then you can use another exotic. You don't even need the Wings of Sacred Dawn at that point. So if you're just floating in the sky, peppering people with Skyburner's Oath, you're good to go. You're like you're standing on the ground. Now, granted, I don't expect a whole lot of people to start using Skyburner's Oath like it's God mode, but it is going to be, um, I don't know. I don't I don't know. Skyburner's Oath hasn't. Skyburner's Oath going to be. If Skyburner's Oath comes back, I'm, I'll buy you an extra drink at GCX. How's that? So Nice. You're, you're going to oh, buy me drinks back. already? An extra oh, one. Oh, it's huh? coming back. I mean, I gotta buy you but one drink just for saying hello, man. In the air. 
Right. Even then, you can stay up in the air with whatever you want on the Warlock, but you can be shot because you're static to a degree. Yeah. Hunters were never static with, with Stompies. Yeah. Please, uh, if you plan on using this exotic... Skyburners, uh, though. Please, uh, please tag me on Twitter with the hashtag take the oath. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, let me know how you're going to be dominating with this exotic. Yeah, that will that will be the hashtag for this episode. Tag or take the oath if you're going to be dominating with Skyburner's oath in PvP. And I want to see clips. Yeah. You got to tag any of I us, do. and that will be great. Shout out real Cog's quick. Cog's going to be so confused when he sees me getting tagged for <laughs> take the oath. Did you start a cult? What happened, dude? What is going sure on did. in here? Sure did, Cog. You yep. missed it. Yep. Uh, shout out real quick to MRI Gamer. Just become a Patreon member because your Master Lost Sectors help vids are worth the dollar a month alone. Hope anyone that your vids have helped considers donate. Honestly, like, yeah, I appreciate the Patreon. I actually saw the alert on my phone, uh, but thank you very much for the $10 super chat. Appreciate the support for everything that we got going on here on the channel. So appreciate that MRI gamer. Thank you very much. Uh, but that is most of it for airborne. Um, but that is, that's huge. They're new stat on a weapon. Uh, Stompy's getting a pretty good chunk. But it's the idea that if you are a player who enjoys being very vertical, uh, and honestly, it's the people who have verticality is that last piece of skill for a lot of people. A lot of people, as you said, Mondo, they do run on that horizontal plane. They're not looking up nearly as much. So when you start to add verticality to a play style, it is that that level of high skilled player that's typically going to be vertical. And they want 100%. to. Yeah, it's like they want to still allow that person to build into that way if they want to. But on the other side, it is going to be something you have to lean into a little bit more. But also, they said, if you're good at aiming, you're still probably going to get rewarded by it if you lean into it. So I'll be curious to see how this plays out. Stompies, as Travis said, it sounds like those are going to be probably a bit reverted later on. But now they just they probably want to get data about other exotics because that thing's probably just like the big chunk of the bar graph for too long. They want to see what else is out there, which is probably fine. Uh, playlist weapons. Those are pretty much just going to have, it sounds like playlist weapons now have a chance to roll with extra traits in the third and fourth column. Uh, and it increases with the number of rank resets during that season. So if you play and live in the strike playlist, you just like, I log on, I have time to play strikes. Well, the more you spend time in Zavala's playlists and you rank him up, you're actually going to have a chance to get some of those weapons that are now going to have two perks in those slots. So if it's a season that has a really god tier weapon in a certain playlist, you're going to see people playing it even more to have a chance. Because a lot of those weapons have like 200 perks in each slot. They're just ridiculous to try and get a god roll for. It's not that many. It's usually like 12, but it's still a lot for statistical chances. Um, they also said they're going to basically have a chance for uh, all playlist weapons from beyond late and later will drop with the appropriate origin trade as well. So they're going to get a little update mm. there. So basically, if you love to live in a playlist, if you're one of the few people who main Gambit, you will probably be getting a little a little more chances at a god roll out of there. There are a few of you, and whoever you are, more power to you. Um, but if it strikes or crucible and there's a good weapon that season and you live in that playlist, you're probably going to uh, start to see some drops that get you a lot closer to what you're going for. That's a random thing. The stat display, not much is gonna, nothing's going to change for the weapon functionality. But they said all stat weapon bars are going to go now from a range of zero to 100 instead of some being limited in the middle of the bar. So it's like the stat bars are going to look different on weapons, but now everything is going to be universal zero to 100. Just random change. 
All right, next big topic. One hit kills and special ammo. Before I even get into this, for those of you, for you two, how much are one hit kills an annoyance? Do you feel they're fair, not fair? Where are you guys at right now on just one hit kill weapons between snipers, fusions, shotguns, all of those, Ariana's Vow or Layman Arc? And there's something they are going to change, like the Ariana's Vow standing in an empowering rift or Layman Arc doing the same thing. That they're actually going to change and take away. So, I mean, that is probably, I would guess, a good change for most people because those shouldn't be one tapping. But on the other side, mostly just about special weapons getting one taps in general. Where are you guys at just on those? Do you like that they're an option or do you feel they're too frequent? Where are you guys at on those? I'll let uh, Mondo go first. Thank you. <laughs> no, uh, I, th I, I think in the game, I think one hit kills, mm. any weapon that can one hit kill should require a build or a skill to go into that. But I... I I don't think, and no, when I say that, I don't think just putting down an empowering rift and hitting someone with a bow should constitute or should be able to one-hit kill because that's it's cheap. I think a sniper with a headshot, no bodies, a headshot should should one-hit kill. Yep. I think, I think the chaperone. <clears throat> <laughs> I think the chaperone once you proc roadborn should then have that capability, but I'm unsure how much damage or how much distance you should be able to one-shot with. I certainly don't want to be one-shot by someone using the chaperone while they're looking at another TV. You know, it's, the chaperone almost kills by itself. So I think I think one-shot one shot kill weapons, as long as, it, you know, as long as when you get killed by that weapon, you can accept that that was a good shot or a, that was a play instead of being like, man, that is that's so cheap. So with some of the changes they're making, I'm okay with it, but I'm okay with with one hit kills as long as there, there needs to be some time investment or just a natural skill with that weapon to be able to do it. I just think they should be few and far between because high skill weapons that can do that shouldn't be able to be used by by everybody. And, and 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 as I say, it should take a lot of skill to do that. Makes it makes the matches just a little bit fairer, I think. Yeah. What about you, Travis? Just in general, I know chaperones one of your babies, but I mean snipers, shotguns, fusions, just all of that middle tier in general. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some things that should one hit, right? Uh, Tomato's point: headshot on sniper should yep. one hit, one hit. Um, I think fusion rifle should one hit at certain distances if you hit all of your the parts of your blast. Yeah. Just because those require a a, a charge time. Yep. Um, I think shotguns should one hit hit uh, hit kill if you're like right up close. You center mass. You know, giving them a hug with the pellets. <laughs> giving them a hug with the shotgun, sliding into them and just blasting them right in the in their chest. As that, a that chaperone a user, kill. do you think it does too much range? Chaperone. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure it does. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I think I think there should be precision if you're using if you're doing a pellet. Uh, shotgun basically you're putting all of your dps into one precision point and i think that that should be able to to hit because it's it's hard to, to hit those but i have i have problems with the way chaperone uh aim assists and the way that uh it the way is you super... aim at someone's tone get a crit yeah you... it's it's, it's cheesy <laughs> it's cheesy uh, uh it's it's range is too far you know it, it has problems um i 100 percent agree that it should be one hit though 
It should be one hit. I, yeah. I mean, it should for for anything that's precision like that. I think it should, but I, I don't think Bo should be able to one hit you. Like that's crazy that you can even build into that. I, I think they should prevent that from happening. I don't think Yoten should one hit hit kill. That's fucking crazy to me. Like, yeah, but I on the other side, like even... dodging Yoten. If I actually know somebody's ah. playing Yoten and I get hit by it, and then I start knowing it's coming, it's not the hardest thing in the world to dodge either. I've been hit by oh, it no, plenty, it, but I also know like if I'm smart isn't. about it, I can move. <laughs> A silent thing they've done with with Yoten, yeah. sorry. A silent thing they've done with Yoten is if you've got your resilience above eighty, it can't eight, it can't one hit kill you. It's good to know. I, I, I don't think I have my resilience. I'm a I'm an intellect recovery will, type. <laughs> oh but, uh, well yeah, you'll eventually die. <laughs> my, my if you move Yoten, when you get hit, you're fine. If it hits you you move with, straight away. My problem with Yoten is that it's a fusion rifle that you can shoot from really far away, and it just allows you to spam it. And if you can get a one-hit kill with something that easily, it's like... It's a weapon that you'll get killed with ridiculous. when you're not looking at the person that's shooting yeah. you. Exactly. Because it will just track exactly. you when it's, you're it's, in it's an It's basically just like a cheesy weapon where a guy Cheap. will just like skilllessly peek around a corner and shoot at a dude who's not looking at him, and then the guy just gets burnt right away. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's probably got stompies on as well. No, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like shooting at you from the sky, so it, it should uh, it should definitely burn you down, and they should be able to like finish you off super easily with a primary. But the fact that it just instantly kills you from across the map is like so annoying. It's just so cheesy. So I think there's some things they can do to rein it in. On the other hand, I think that there's things that it's ridiculous that they don't one hit kill you. Like I still think grenades that stick onto you should kill you. They should just yeah. reduce. They should reduce the the homing and the the. Uh, the um, what do you call it? More skill, more, the, more, yeah. more, more skill, yeah, more it payload. Be, the tracking, like, like the tracking. Yeah, like if you got a sticky it's, grenade in Halo, like Halo. You, that was that you, you have, yeah. you have no aim assist, but if you stick it on them, they're dead. No yeah. question. The more that. skill That's it takes it to be. use, the more damage it should do. I, I'm pretty sure they actually said that. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. In previous twab. My my problem with the way that they've done grenades is they basically went the other way. They were like, let's yeah. make them do as little damage as possible, but they'll be super easy to land. And yeah. I just yeah. feel like I that doesn't feel super good. I we agree with that, the actually. Way. I don't know if we'd ever yeah. talked about grenades that much, but I miss being able to stick people. Yeah, it was way too easy in D1 because it was like, let me hook this For thing sure. around the corner and stick it on your shoulder and kill you. But again, yeah. yeah, if you do get that lob or you're running at him, you chunk it and you get that stick and it's on their chest, like... If this explodes on my shoulder blade, I should die because it's on me. For sure. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it's ridiculous. I, Why would you throw a grenade? Why would you build into a cooldown for a grenade if it just does chip damage that you could accomplish with yep. like shooting them with a pulse rifle? You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense from like a game design perspective. And I kind of feel similarly about special melees, like anything where you have a cooldown. There should be more skill involved, obviously, but there should be some way to like get kills with those, I, I feel. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I, just, I feel like they've got some tuning to do when it comes with PvP. Don't but some definitely. of the public melees one-hit kill? I mean, like a throwing knife will do it. <laughs> like, throwing but if knife, throwing knife should the do it, then throwing shouldn't knife other precision public melees hit do does, it? But, I mean, there's not many that... There I don't like. Yeah. No, I was like, there, it feels there's like no sometimes that one hit kill you, and there's no. The, I don't think. The, I I think after they did the Titan shoulder rams, I don't think you think those even. Yeah, kill outside anymore, of Parrot and Greaves, that's about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so. so yeah, they did the change to empowering rift, higher energy fire, inertia override, down from twenty percent to fifteen percent. Basically, they took the ability away for those one hit cheap kills to go away, which is good. But they also went to special ammo. They've been trying to figure this out for a very long, long time to figure out what is a good amount of special ammo, trying to lean more into primary ammo gunfights. And they straight up lowered Scavenger, what it was doing before, 
they still feel like that's not enough. So now they have straight up disabled ammo scavenger and PVP altogether. No matter how much ammo a player was carrying on death, if you pick up a special brick, you can only get one ammo for a shotgun or sniper. I'm guessing fusions the same way or one kills worth of ammo for a weapon that requires more than one shot, like foe runner, forerunner, tracer rifles. So basically you're going to get one kills worth of ammo. If you pick up a special brick scavenger does now nothing in PVP in season 17. Uh, they retune several special weapon archetypes and exotic weapons, which are below with the general goal of reducing the effectiveness and uptime of special weapons. They want those one hit kills to be less frequent. Like those moments, if you do get a pick, it should mean a lot with like, say a sniper rifle. But on the other side, if you start roaming a six V six and you're just like snipes or shotguns and you're just sitting on like 20, 20 ammo for your shotgun and you just shot, 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 shot everywhere. They don't want that to happen. So that seems to be what they're going for. They want to get the primary ammo back as much as they can into the gameplay. Do you guys think disabling scavenger is too far or do you feel like this is a fair decision too much or too little? This is the one area <clears throat> where I felt like I was reading the, the TWAB and felt like, uh, are we really going back here? You know, you know how many times they've tried this? I feel like I've read the, this exact TWAB over and over again. Every single time they go, hey, we want to make, you know, special ammo less prominent. We want to make it so you only get one brick. We want to make it so blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, inevitably, they implement it. And then it makes Crucible super boring because everybody's just using hand cannons and pulse rifles and all the stuff that they use uh, to, you know, to just make the make yourself get a few, maybe one or two kills before you die and then get your special ammo back. Yeah. And uh, I just, I feel like that we've, we've retreaded this so many times and they keep flip flopping on it. So I, I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with their strategy of like, okay, well you shouldn't just be able to spam special ammo because then nobody uses primary. I get that that's a problem. It just feels like they have, they still have not come up with a good solution for this. And, and they've, I've seen this exact TWAB note like at least two times before in destiny's history where they're like, yeah, we're going to reduce ammo economy for a special. You're only going to be able to pick up one brick per kill. And every time I just roll my eyes and I'm just like, dude, you tried this already. Like come up with a different solution for this problem. So I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling that this is going to get reversed yet again, because players always complain about not being able to use their special weapons and how gameplay gets boring when you're just shooting primaries at each other. Uh, which is something that I kind of agree with. And so I, I just, I, I don't see this panning out because I've seen them fail at it at least two other times. Hmm. So I don't know. I, I, this is the one part of the TWAB where I was just like, really again, we're back here. We're having this conversation again. Mondo, what about you? I don't know if you're as much of a PVP guy or not, but do you feel like this is? Oh, I'm 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 in Crucible at least three hours every day. No, well, I wondered where you spent uh, your seventy five hundred hours, so that's good. Uh, seventy five hundred hours. Uh, how do you know that? <laughs> I didn't even know how many hours I had. Wasted on Destiny.com, uh, and I looked up live oh, Mondo, right. and I'm guessing the guy who has seventy five hundred hours is probably you. Yeah, that would be correct. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of agree with Travis. I've seen this before. I've seen the reducing the special ammo economy, and then you go into Crucible maybe the next week after it's been patched, and some guy's just been running around for eight minutes with a shotgun and hasn't equipped a primary. So I don't know where they go with this, but it, every time I read this, I just, I, I don't know. It's a feeling more than a thought that they're still trying to go back to the double primary heavy thing. Because yeah. the maybe because the crucible maps that are in Destiny, 
even the ones they've brought forward really don't seem that they they seem like they've been made with a different meta in mind, and it's like rather than fix the maps, I I don't know. It just always feels to me as if the special ammo thing. You you couldn't go back to D one with it was special ammo box. I I don't know how, what they do about this. You know, I don't know if this is the right thing. I don't know if you know this is going to be a bad thing. I I I really don't have a lot of investment in this, so I'm not like. I'm kind of like, oh, that's, that's another yeah, thing they're like, doing with special. Yeah, we'll see how this one pans out for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, but that's it's, it's it is at the end. I I wonder why they're just on that bit that that, that they've put that. Then they've spoke a, a ton about snipers. If they're reducing the special ammo, why are they worried about snipers now? I don't know. Well, yeah. they they do address the fact that that the special ammo changes aren't really going to affect snipers anyway. So yeah. Because snipers can't collect the ammo from the people that kill yeah, this time. Because, yeah, they gave snipers a little bit more snappiness we'll get to in the archetypes. So they were a little easier to use. But as you typically don't pick up your ammo from across the map, you're usually not going to get a lot more shots about that. Yeah, it's kind of those things like you want. It's nice to have the flexibility of a special weapon because it gives you a different One feel of play style. Well, yeah, it gives you a different feel of... Hold on, I have to get in this gunfight. Every so often is nice to like be, you know, turn around that corner, see your radar and know that your shotgun's going to kill. Or if you're on contingency and you're looking way down a lane and you do get a pick, or if you actually do manage to get that charge up, it feels good. It is to a point, and I think this is what they're, as both of you guys have said, when they're trying to balance the idea of the person who's already God tier matchmaking is a bit of a mess. We know right now anyway, but if that person is that very high skill level now is just like circling the map, constantly refilling their special weapon with more than they feel is viable as opposed to kill for ammo. It's kill, get two or three ammo, kill, get two or three ammo. And now they've got like six shots just to pump down a lane with a sniper rifle and probably get one. If they're good enough, they're really trying to reel in how often that is. I'm with you guys, though. I don't want it to go all the way back to that double primaries because it does feel nice to have those moments. They're just trying to figure out the balance of how often those moments happen, I think. 100%. And so, yeah, it's like I feel Do you think this, this is, might have trials in mind, though? I mean, maybe a little. They already did trials to where if you get revived, your special's gone, which is... yeah. So that's already kind of been a piece of a thing in there. Like if you get revived, you're on primary anyway, unless you just get lucky to find some in that round. Yeah. So that was one. also won't really matter because usually those matches are pretty quickly and either the special ammo is spent and everybody's just kind of shooting primaries and using abilities or it's not spent yet. And it's about to, and that's how you get your kills. So it, it's already kind of not dominant in trials. I don't think there's a way around that just because you're dying and restarting the round so many times. We do have some interesting graphs when you get to archetypes, though, because they special weapons, in particular shotguns and fusions, are responsible for more one-hit kills than they'd like in PvP. Literally what they say. Shotguns by far, though, it's like 55% of them. And it's been consistent almost... How far do you go back? I mean, this is data for basically January through now. So, I mean, three months before Witch Queen, after Witch Queen... There was a little blip of glaives when everybody had to do their bounties, and then that went away. Glaives are basically minimally there. Grenade launchers have their little piece. Linear fusions have a smaller piece. Snipers have, you know, about 18%. Fusion rifles have about 18%. Shotguns have the rest. It is just a massive, massive chunk. So 
Special weapons, they say all special weapons have had their in-air accuracy significantly reduced. So again, they're leaning into that. If you want it, you got to build into it. Special weapons have slightly larger airborne accuracy penalty than primary weapons. Special weapons have smaller airborne aim assist cone uh, penalty to other weapons around 50% at a zero stat. And this penalty can be, can be reduced, but not entirely removed by investing in airborne. If you try and use a special weapon while airborne, it is just going to be very difficult. Uh, but for sniper rifles, as we just said, they reduce the steady, the stow, ready, and aim down sight speeds by 10%. So all snipers are going to feel snappier. And that's mostly because they felt like snapshot had to be mandatory to be useful. So all of them are going to be a little better. Snapshot's going to feel about the same. So if you do have a sniper that doesn't have snapshot, it might feel a little better if you have good perks on it. So don't just get rid of it. If you see one without snapshot, might be, feel a little bit better, a little bit better coming up soon. And now we get to the shotgun details. First, slug and pellet shotguns are still overwhelmingly popular in PvP. So they've reduced the damage fall off start and end by one meter. So the damage fall off on both ends has been brought back a meter. Uh, and they reduced the aim assist and magnetism fall off start and end by two meters. So shorter distances for shotgun kills once again. And also the aim assist probably more for slugs coming back as well. So it's going to reduce the one hit kill distance of most shotguns by around, they say about a half a meter somewhere in the realm of probably about a meter, depending on if it's slug or shotguns. Think you guys are going to feel it that much? Or do you think you're just going to have to give them a little bit more of a hug? I probably already get closer than I need to with my shotguns just out of like paranoia. So yeah. Um, yeah. I don't particularly mind this change. It does feel cheesy and not good to get killed by a shotgun at far distance, especially when, uh, you know, fusion rifle users are supposed to be rewarded for having to charge up their weapons to get kills at that same distance. And so, um, this is something that like another problem that they struggled with, I feel like forever. And, and they are never getting like the shotgun distance kill rating, right. And sometimes they overdo how far you can get a kill with fusions, but they still need to figure it out. Like there has yeah. to be kind of a, a nice path where shotguns have a sweet spot for getting kills and fusions have a sweet spot and then everything else far distance has a sweet spot. So um, the fact that um, shotguns are so dominant, I think might have more to do with the game getting faster over the years and yeah. movement being faster and things being quicker. And when that happens and it's easier to get close to somebody, why wouldn't you use a shotgun? So I think that, um, that that has more to do with it than anything mechanically about the shotguns. And they they can't make shotguns like swords, basically, where you have to be like within melee range to to actually get a kill. So um, you know, I, I don't know what the what the right answer is here, but I, I do think that it is probably time for shotguns to get tuned down in terms of the distance at which they could get a one hit kill. So yeah. especially slug throwers. Like I get it takes skill, but it's uh it's it's a little insane that you can get popped from so far away with the with the I mean that's why I've been using it for so long. Yeah. <laughs> I used it even before it was the meta. I've been using Chaperone for a long time just because I like the feel of it and uh yeah, so Mondo, yeah, are you a shotgun I know, guy? I, I, yeah, I, I I changed from from sniper to shotgun because I found it kind of more it, it was just getting too difficult to challenge because I think Travis made a brilliant point there that shotguns are being so dominant because movement and abilities, being able to close that close gap, the gap. Yep. a lot faster than you could ever do before. So as someone who 
enjoyed sniping and reasonable sniper, I felt like I couldn't compete because a shotgunner could just close that distance. I so hey, if you can't beat them, I joined them. You know, I started using exactly. shorty. So, I would love to snipe, but just yeah, yeah. same here. Yeah, uh, that mobility is uh, a big one. That's true. Abilities as well. Being you know, it started with uh, the warlock being able to dash and stuff, and you know. I I, th- I think I think they do need a tune, but only just if I'm being honest. The main point for me would be just to kind of put a wooden spoon in the sandbox, just mix things up a little bit, and you know, let's get some let's get some different weapons out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys pretty much covered it. I mean, just bring them in a little tighter. The mobility already co- allows them to, as you said, close the gap really fast. Icarus dash. You know, Titans moving around the ability that you can see, like the high skilled people just like book it down a lane. You're going, damn, no wonder they do that all the time. So it's like, yeah, the high skilled people, you're going to have to get a little bit closer, but it's not much, but you're going to have to make the shots count. If you're a good shotgunner, this isn't going to affect you too much. Probably not. You're just going to have to like, you know, probably get a little bit of a muscle memory of how big is that guardian. So I know I'm in the right range. Yeah. Fusion rifles. Especially if you're using using Felwinter still, which a lot of people are for some reason. Yeah. Why? <laughs> it's a crutch, man. Uh, fusion rifle usage is trending pretty high, in particular in trials, um, probably on account of Zer selling a couple of god rolls here and there, and amongst other things. Bringing with and with bringing shotguns down a little bit, it seems like it would make them too good of an option. They also feel like changes. They don't want to see twenty plus meter fusion rifle one hit kills. So most of this looks like it's going to bring fusion rifles back, basically a couple of meters, two to th- like. One to two meters on most of this stuff. Recoil scaler a little bit, but the damage fall off distance is going to be a little bit more uh, or a little bit less. Reduced damage fall off near distance is going to be a little bit less. So it's just they're going to be effective a little closer. So when people, you know, damage testing people like fallout and stuff, they'll be like, yeah, I think I can get one like 21 meters. It might be like 19 meters now. It's still if you plan it right, should be able to out hit a shotgun. But it's definitely one of those where you're not going to be able to get quite as far. They had their air until broke fusions for a while. Then main ingredient did it. And then now they're trying to reel them. And as you said, Travis, they're trying to find trying to basically find their sweet spots. It is hilarious to look at this graph, though, because you can see main ingredient had a big bubble for a while because it was sold by Zer. No composure had a pretty good while there because of decent chunk for a while because it was the pursuit weapon. A lot of people had it. Then you can literally see Witch Queen launched, likely suspect, kind of got a big old big bubble, and then Snorri got a decent bubble. Main ingredient was sold by Xur. The That piece of the graph got absolutely massive for about a weekend, came back down a little bit to where it was still a massive chunk, though. And you can see which ones are the popular ones right now between Deliverance, likely suspect, main ingredient. Snorri is actually pretty popular right now. And you can see some other ones like Zealous Reward are like, why am I even here? So it is funny to see you can literally pinpoint where Zer sells certain weapons or if it's a trials weekend <laughs> yeah. and stuff. It's very obvious. It's like, and it like, so it is just funny to actually see the data. I like these graphs though, because it is interesting to see. I wish I could see it a little bit longer. I get that it wouldn't be very visible, but it is interesting to see this type of stuff. I, w- I actually would like to see it more often, like every so often to kind of get a quarterly update when they do a sandbox be like hey where are some of these special weapons at or where are some of the primaries i'd be curious what the primaries look like because i know hand cannons have got to be pretty damn high up there there's no way all zero usage lies lies 
Uh, also with fusion rifles, they did say they rebuilt them in season 15, but they wanted to get them a little farther apart. So now the hip, the high impacts, they wanted to bring the charge time down just a little bit. So instead of uh, basically a thousand charge time, it's going to be 960 and they increase the damage per burst by 10. Uh, precisions, which are going to be like your main ingredient. They uh, increased unmodified charge time from 740 to 780. Rapid fires, which is going to be like your timelines vertex. That's going to be from four. Oh, sorry, not rapid fires. Rapid fires like uh, no composure, for example, is going to go from 460 to 500, and they decrease the damage per burst by 20. And then the, so you're going to have to hit more of your perks, your bolts there. And then the adaptives are kind of where they are at 660 with 270. So precisions have an intrinsic piece to them. That's why they're a little slower charge time at 280 total damage. Adaptives are 270 at 660. They're just trying to give the fusion rifles a little bit more, um, basically distinction between each of the types. Does this sound like anything that's going to change what you guys are using? Anything good or bad here for you guys? On do. Yeah. It's never going to be as bad as when Aaron tail was around. That's true. <laughs> That was mapping people way, way too far away. Do you feel it, like... Well, it wasn't really a fusion rifle. It, it outplayed the range that a fusion rifle should be efficient for, so or effective from... It, main ingredient's a gobble, you know? And it's, yep. it's okay, it's strong, but it's a gobble. Expect it to do, do what it says on the tin, but these changes are all pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I don't have a problem with these either. I've, I've seen fusion rifle have increased usage in crucible lately. And I've also used it a little bit, not as, not as much, but um, yeah, I don't think any of these are really big game changers. This is sort of just like housekeeping in my, my opinion, like yeah. uh, fusion rifles are in a pretty good spot. There's a few of them that are maybe too good, but you got to respect the people that grinded for those roles that can really like compete with a shotgun or stuff. Must be sometimes really, I get surprised. Must be really difficult to go and buy it from Zar. Because <laughs> you know that main ingredient. Yeah, the main ingredient is what honestly changed all of this. Is Zer hadn't Timeline sold about is two good, or three fusion rifles. If Zer hadn't sold two or three, you would not see this kind of usage because most people have not been lucky enough to get that god roll. So it is interesting that Zer selling one thing and people and there's enough people in the world that are like, hey, go buy this fusion rifle. People start trying it, getting a feel for it. I honestly like the fact that it brought fusion rifles usage up as some way to combat shotguns. And I'm just like, hey, I will happily fusion rifle a shotgun user. If he's running at me and I can voop him right before he gets to me, I'm good with it. So, But it's just it's just a spike, isn't it? It's just people yeah. trying to... It's, it's not like the usage, the usage is a consistent block where it's lasting for months. You know, no, we've I seen mean, that. Yeah, it's like you can look back because they go back to January and I think both fusion rifles that Zer sold has been from January onward. And you can see some little blips where it looks like it's been sold and been a little bigger. Shotguns still have dominated and drastically dominated. And I think it's honestly just because if I turn around the corner and, you know, know that somebody's close, I can get that one hit kill. And fusion rifles takes a little more play, takes managing your corners and things, under understanding your radar a little bit more. So it's still never going to be as easy to use as a shotgun. But now people have ones that are going to be more effective if they actually start playing with them for one that was actually just sold by Zer. Uh, trace rifles, which most people don't use that often. Uh, they increase trace rifle damage against non-red bar combatants by 20%. 
and ammo pickup per special brick from 18 to 30. You can melt a red bar with a trace rifle that's not too bad, but I feel like if you do fight an orange or bar or a boss, you're just like shooting it for a very long time and not doing very much. So trace rifles are going to be getting a little bit of buff in PvE. It's because they said besides Divinity, trace rifles don't get much. And the fact that we now have legendary trace rifles, we'll get to exotics that actually seem to get buffed as well. Primary weapons, they say autos and pulses feel like they can't quite compete at range, so auto rifles got a tiny buff of like three quarters of a meter. Pulse rifles are bumped out by about a meter, meter and a half, nothing too major. Zoom on SMGs. All of the people that were talking about the multi-mock that's like a sniper, that thing's being brought down from 17 to 15. Second highest zoom is going to be 14. Shire's Wrath, it is a trials weapon, so they do say those are always going to be a little bit stronger. They increase the damage fall off from submachine guns also by a meter and a half. A lot of the zoom on the other SMGs got brought up a bit, a little bit. So they kind of squished the range uh, that zoom's going to affect SMGs and also brought some of the outliers down quite a bit. Um, and then we get to heavies. This is exciting. Machine guns aren't what they want them to be in PvP. And I feel like we do. I feel like this is one of those times, Travis, where you're like, I feel like I've read this before. This is what it was for rockets before, because rockets, what did they get? A 30% damage buff, and everybody's like, where's the rocket buff? Where's the rocket buff? Two years later, 30%. And what we were like, hey, we could take like 10, 10. No, do it all in that chunk. So now machine guns increase damage by 40% against PvE enemies, 20% versus bosses, and then Xenophage, and now the Grand Overture new one, they get the 40% buff against enemies, except the bonus versus bosses they do not get. I mean, 40%, you're almost talking to, I say it's almost 50%, and I know that's like a stupid statement, but you're literally almost giving something a 50% buff. That tells you how bad it was for a while, and we've been at, they've been feeling not great, so now you've got things like Corrective Measure and Thunderlord, these machine guns that are now potentially going to be putting in some work. Do you guys think you actually might pull them back out of your vault? I'll let you go with that, Travis. I've, I've actually uh, got a really good answer here. <laughs> oh, well, then let me go first with my shitty answer. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I, I've always liked uh, machine guns. It's just that they, they've never been the meta. And I like having plentiful ammo. I like the way that they feel and the way that they sound. And I think in PvE especially um, – you know, the problem is that you can just blow through a lot of your ammo, just like trying to kill a couple majors. And then you end up just kind of going, all right, well, now I've got to spend 45 minutes reloading the weapon. So I don't know what the point of that was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think 40 uh, percent is probably overkill. I'm sure that they'll have to lower that, especially with the changes they made to Xeno, which we'll get to later. But uh, uh, I think uh, this is good. I would like to see uh, machine guns make a return to the meta, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, probably, um, probably over over pumping it would be my guess. I, I literally, I must have, I must have had some sort of epiphany because the last master I'd done, I ran a machine gun. It was my heavy slot. Couldn't believe how good it was. And really? Abantus, you actually mentioned the machine gun because it was the one from Vogue. And measure. I ran it. Yeah. Yep. I ran it through, and it absolutely tore through champions. All I had to do was break the shield. I always, I always run a weakening grenade, so I put the grenade on, and that was it. They weren't getting a chance. They just disappeared. When I seen they were going to buff that by forty percent. Now, corrective measure has quite a large ammo capacity. I think it's like two six nine or something. 
But because yeah. it's a slower fire rate, you're not really going to burst through all your ammo really quickly. Yep. I, I never had a problem with ammo. And when I seen that 40%, my first thing I thought of was, we're going right back to Thunderlord. Oh, yeah. That's... E- even though we're not doing it against bosses, but I remember, <laughs> and it was inside, uh, uh, Inverted Spire. I equipped it, and I ran the whole strike, never took it off. This is a nightfall. Never used anything but Thunderlord. Was dropping ammo left, right, and center, and then melted the boss with it. Never had to use another weapon. Used that for the whole strike. And I was thinking to myself, as much as as we all, I think we all know machine guns are kind of been gathering a lot of dust. webs, but yep. but not because they've been bad. It's because other things like linear fusion rifles with particle deconstruction, and then you had grenade launchers with breach and clear. Yep. Other things took the took the limelight. Machine guns did get a buff a while ago, right? 20% or something? I honestly can't remember. A couple it's of been months ago, so they long. got one, yeah. Uh, so I had them in my head when, when I seen that. I was definitely going to use them, see what they're like. And it was literally only yesterday I was like, I was going to do that machine gun thing. And this was before the TWAB came out. Yeah. And then when I seen I'm that, I was like, to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm definitely going to be using machine guns, but I, I agree they are, that's going to get brought down. That is going to get, because PVE enemies, 20% against bosses. Champions aren't considered bosses. Nope. They are in the major category, yeah. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, I haven't been feeling like I've been able to use Xenophage got nerfed and didn't feel good, which they did change, by the way. We'll get to that later for exotics. Uh, Avalanche commemoration. Even the new one, now that you can get stats for all, one for all, I know the stasis one's like a, I feel like it's a 900 RPM, and those aren't really my favorite, but if you can get that one for all on a machine gun to proc, which hitting three enemies with a machine gun, you already got a lot of bullets anyway, if you can get that to proc, and then you have like stats for all, one for all, like I've got on one of those, 40% plus 35% to everything, or you know 55% to a boss, that's like 70% damage if you can get that to proc next season. Yeah. There's going to be some fun with machine guns, but yeah, Thunderlord with its lightning bringing down. I think there'll be, I think people would be doing damage tests with like Xenophage, Grand Overture, which also get a bit of a tweak and then stuff like Corrective Measure. You've got Avalanche, Commemoration. Guardian Games is bringing the Air Apparent. Catalyst for oh, I forgot about Air Apparent. Yep. And that thing's got a shield. At least that thing's not crazy to hear in PvP anymore. Man, when that thing was like, you could hear people spinning up. I was like, oh, God, somebody's walking around with an impossible shield. I'm glad that got nerfed. Run. (laughs) Run. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, I haven't got you to use machine guns in a while, so I'm just happy to see them come back. Because we've been asking. It's felt like they've needed it. And we were right. When they go this big, we knew they needed it. Probably, as you guys say, though, it'll be brought down a little bit. Rocket launchers are getting a bit more of a distinction. Precision frame, which is going to be like your polyamide deer with intrinsic tracking. Uh, it's going to get a minus 10% damage to both impact and detonation. High impact are staying about the same. They have the biggest blast radius. Adaptive and aggressive rocket launchers. Picture your hotheads. Um, that's just one I know because I looked up. But any adaptive or aggressive is getting 10% bonus damage. So if you take the precision, which is going to be your intrinsic tracking, like your hotkeys, versus an adaptive, that's a 20% difference in rocket launcher damage. If you're doing any of the rocket launcher DPS strats, you might theoretically need to look at which one you're using. 20% could make a big difference. So that was one I saw that was pretty big. Exotics. I'm going to try and go through a couple of the highlights here, some of the big ones. Fighting Lion. 
Um, blast radius increased by a little bit, damage up by 5%. Apparently they just wanted a little bit back better. Eyes of Tomorrow, since you did finally get it, damage versus bosses and champions is 30% more. <laughs> Apparently they're I trying to... I fired it one time with, uh, in real life Titan. Yeah. Yeah. Leviathan's remember Breath. Remember recorded that video of us shooting it for the first time? Yeah, I think I do remember that yeah. one. Yeah. Leviathan's Breath. They are trying to make this happen. I feel like Fetch in Mean they Girls. They keep trying to make it. Yeah, it's like they're, <laughs> they're trying to make it happen. I don't know if it's ever going to pay off because like it's so slow. They said the Archer's Tempo is instead of going to be like three quarters speed reduction for Archer's Tempo, it's now almost going to be 50% reduction. They said they also added a small delay before the detonation on champions. So you would literally like stun and then get your damage. They basically describe it as an increase in damage across the board of about 50%. Overall damage versus champions is roughly doubled and even more compared to shooting an unstunned, unstoppable champion. I still don't know if I'm ever going to make this my unstoppable weapon, because if you never need big DPS, it just doesn't feel like it's there. But maybe, I don't know. I still feel like the idea of a slow drawing giant bow to do DPS, it better hit like a Mack truck or it just doesn't seem like enough. Do you think this is enough, Mondo? Well, you're not going to take it any reactivity, right? No. But if you add that 50% plus on that with a 25% void burn, because a cute gives you 25%. Yeah, if addition. you're in the right nightfall. And and the fact that unknown to a lot of people, this actually does a lot of damage to champions already. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to make a good case for it. Uh <laughs> and failing miserably. I, I, I don't know if the only way I would equip this is to finally dispel the triple bow nightfall that I keep getting asked to do and keep oh. avoiding like the plague. But uh, yeah, it, it might make it might get it a little bit, bit more use, but still no. Just yeah. have to wait and see. We just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's just one of those that it's it's cool in concept, but I never feel like it was worth the time, the limited ammo. Just have to see. Huckleberry got its zoom increased so should get a little better range usage xenophage as we said they're basically reverting when they made it harder hitting and slower it did not feel good so they're basically reverting most of that back and Thank it's God. Still, yeah i know i i was like oh this feels good all oh, this sucks like it was weird how that little change which i didn't expect i wasn't i really did not like how it felt so it's going back to 120 uh they reduced the damage per bullet to basically match what it used to be but it is getting the 40% damage buff, just not bosses. So it's going to be back to how it was, which I'm good with. So. I'm happy with that. Layman Arc is too oppressive when combined with external damage buffs. We already know that one, so you're not going no to be able kidding. to do the one tap. But Let's... they reduce the poison tick damage versus players only by 25%. Change the poison damage from burn to poison. Uh, they said that's largely housekeeping. I wonder if that's one of those like back-end things for like that future subclass they're trying to build, maybe. You know it is. You Has know to it be, is. right? That feels like one of those why, things you're like... they relabel it, you know? Yeah, this is totally not a thing. <clears throat> Please don't pay attention to this thing that could be a thing. Uh, but they increase the poison tick damage by 50% versus combatants, which I'll take. If you are going to go and use that tick damage, I will take oh, a bonus man. there. So I'm good with that. Make Layman Arc more powerful in PvE. Yep, I'm good. I'm pretty sure it's really powerful in PvE. Well, it's about to be a little bit more fun. So find a void burn and unleash out. 
Lawrence Driver, uh, they said it could be difficult to fight against in PvP, so they reduce the body shot damage by 20%. Body damage reverts to old behavior when the weapon's damage is in its bonus mode. Precision damage in any mode is unchanged. Basically, they were saying you could get very high body shot damage and almost have a really easy follow-up. They wanted to get rid of that change. Seems reasonable. Skyburner's Oath, one of the biggest changes that I think it got. So they increased. Take the oath. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag take, take the, oath. the oath. Let's see those hashtag in Twitter. Want, if you guys tag Travis, like, get me a, give me a bonus tag in there. I want to see you guys do that. But I need clips. You can't just like tweet an empty tag. I want to see clips. I want to see you taking that oath. Skyburner's Oath got increased ADS projectile speed to hit scan, which I guess it wasn't before. Both ADS and hip fire now 150 RPM. Hip fire projectors no longer <clears throat> projectiles no longer track. But it arcs kind of like a grenade launcher, but has larger ADS or has larger detonation size. Hipfire detonation also applies burn to targets. Uh, and the bonus range from the masterwork has been rolled into the base stats. So it's just got more range in general. And the masterwork now grants reload speed and it has the highest airborne effectiveness. So you really are meant to be a floating AC-130, which is trying to live up to its name at this point, it seems. You guys actually going to pull this thing out of the vault and go try and we need Cog to do it because he's going to be the Warlock floaty guy up there with the solar burn and just hanging out. So Warlocks, if you see any AC-130s coming through PvP, just, you know, get in cover. That's all I got to say. I'm going to take the oath. Absolutely. Last word, reduce mouse and keyboard recoil penalty from 33 to 22%. I really hope I don't see more on PC, please. I don't need to see last word more. I'm not saying I see it that often, but I don't want to see it any more than I already do. You will. I'm probably true. The one that hurts me, I'm sure there's a case for it, but this one hurts me. Arbalist had its damage reduced versus champions by 25%. Still going to hit your bosses. Still going to hit your thanks. Thank you. Man, I enjoy that weapon. It's like... (laughs) It's a crutch. It is. I'm not going to argue because it breaks all shields. It's a barrier weapon. And it hit pretty hard. It is only Here's against champions, so it's like you can still do some good damage against like elites and stuff with it. So it is just Here's my champions. argument why you should be pro Arbalist getting nerfed. Because Arbalist right now, the only reason it's popular is because it gets around bad PvE mechanics that Bungie refuses to fix. Well, that's the and reason so I like, like it, yeah. Exactly. That's the reason you like it. Yeah. So without it, without it in the sandbox, it will force Bungie to address the real issue, which is that champions are not good. <laughs> They're broken. Yeah. Half of the champions don't even work right. And without Arbalist there to without, Ar- <laughs> without Arbalist there to save you from how bad that is, Bungie is now going to have to fix champions. And so I say, good riddance. Get Arbalist out there reveal the ugly wart the 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 pustule that's that's on uh destiny's pve sandbox that is uh, okay travis is champions that's a a long way (laughs) i just think i just think like this is going to bring the uh the problem to daylight it's like going to show that like they need to fix the champions issue um and so yeah I'm, i'm not a fan of like workarounds that basically you have to have this in your loadout if you want to uh, be able to do an activity that has champion that's champion heavy uh, because this is the one weapon that goes around the mechanics. Just fix the mechanic. It's bad. And so I, I saw this and I was like, oh yeah, that's going to piss a lot of people off. But also it's overpowered. It, it gets around an issue that Bungie Bradley needs to fix. So fix your champions. That's what I say. 
Yeah. Get rid of them. (laughs) Erox said it. It's like, it's wishful thinking again. Like anything related to champions and shields, like it feels so intrinsic to the game. I don't expect to change that for a very long time, if ever. But if this is even a tiny bit of a catalyst to help with that, cool. But yeah, I'm like overloads. Overloads are brought to be probably the most annoying right now because we got a new expansion and they have to use auto rifles and SMGs against these most annoying enemies. So no, it's like I get. Yeah, I get it's a crutch. Totally do. But as you said, when you're dealing with multiple shield types and then you got multiple champions and your loadout can be like two things, it is very frustrating. So I hope at some point they listen to some of the feedback, enough of the videos, enough of the tweets, the champions reworked, changed. I actually had Scaro9 and I just did a Discord call offline that I recorded. I did that last night with him and we talked about hard mode Vow, which we actually haven't talked about yet, which we got to talk about before we go and or master vow and then also champions and some other things that we talked about and they brought up something on i saw something on twitter scourge of the past had the berserker guys those were kind of like a type of champion and unfortunately champions have just been i don't want to call a developer lazy because again i know there's priorities and stuff but it's just like we made the champions and we just never did anything with them and the fact that it's been the same barriers, overloads, and unstoppables outside of now we have a scorn unstoppable, but there hasn't been a whole lot of change, variation, update, anything to the champions in so long. If they are going to keep them in the game, a rework, an update, a change in how they work, new champions, not just the same damn three. I, like, if you, one way or the other, get rid of them or like do a full rework one way or the other. Anyway. That one I'm probably going to post up Saturday. So if you want to see the chat between Scarrow and I, it was actually just a ton of fun. Last 20 minutes, we fell off the rails. But either way, check that one out. Graviton Lance. This one actually sounds fun. So the catalyst changed from Hidden Hand, which I don't even remember what that did. It's going to get Vorpal and Turnabout. So Graviton Lance already has a pulse rifle that causes cosmology. Then it's going to have Vorpal, which is going to do 20% because it is a primary against bosses and champions. Uh, exotics do 50% more against red bar enemies because they got that buff to be better. And then turnabout, if you break a void shield, now you're going to get an overshield. So I don't, at some point, <laughs> Graviton Lance finally might get to see, uh, see its day. It does seem like it could finally. have some potential. Wasn't it, wasn't it like everybody's favorite gun for a while in Destiny 2? I feel like at the start of Destiny 2, it was fun. And then yeah. it just like has been crying back in the corner the, for like three years. Back in Rally's day, it was like, the PVP meta for a really long time. So it's just weird to see it coming back because they went out of their way to kill that weapon. Yep. Slowly bringing it back. Grand Overture. They said they reduced the time between the burst of missile mode. You can either hold it down for all 20 or you can tap for five round burst on the missiles. Uh, Cold Heart. They said most linear fusion rifles now don't have enough to set them apart as we're getting regular legendary fusion rifles. So Cold Heart. Um, the sustained damage is going to give you ionic traces, which is going to help you with ability energy, which is interesting. Also, the grace time before the damage ramp goes away goes from 0.113 seconds, which is kind of like a blink of an eye, uh, to one second. So you get a lot more time to get back on target in case you do get flinched or something. Prometheus Lens in the same way. Sustained damage applies a more useful burned targets. Wave Splitter is basically getting normalized. And then if you pick up an Orb of Power... You're getting 10 seconds of maximum power, up to 20 seconds if you get those orbs of power. 
Osteostriga. Apparently the projectiles were rotated by 90 degrees. I will never understand how that was a thing. So sure. And this Lord, came out of the gun the wrong angle. Yeah, it was like came <laughs> out. It, so yeah, for whatever reason, that's getting fixed. Uh, I didn't even notice that. No. I used that gun a ton and I never noticed it. Nope. Lord of Wolves has its damage fall off start and end reduced by about 25%. So Lord of Wolves is getting brought back as well. Any exotics in there that you guys see that you want to shout out before we get to perks and stuff? No. No, I, I would like to j just address the champion thing. Go for it. Yeah. Which really covers all bliss. I agree that, I, as I'm sure everybody does, that champions are a pretty waste of time at this point, especially when mods don't stop them. And But... Uh, I'm not really sure what they could do to change champions now. Because they've they've messed about with that model so many times. The Nightfall model. Right. You know, we had normal Nightfalls, Prestige Nightfalls, uh, Five of Swords card, now champ, where well, we had the ordeals, then we had the, the GMs. At this point, I think the only way to really fix this, or, 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 or a major way to fix it, is to remove champions and start start bringing in more enemies like the light bearers. Mm -hmm. Like that's exactly what I've been proposing on this show for like four months. Yeah, it's like yeah, we, it, we've been it, preaching this from the based, Ability based mini bosses that make you play a certain style to beat them because the champion mods don't work. Yeah, you know, I think Overlords I think if anything, are, it's a joke. The Become Legend version of the campaign proved that you don't need champions to make Difficult encounters content. challenging yep. and yeah. fun. And it's just like... And and I think sometimes Bungie confuses difficulty with fun. For sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, Master Vow, since we're in the middle of this, we can basically just breach this topic. Master Vow is the exact opposite of the Legendary Witch Queen campaign. Because Legendary Witch Queen campaign was... Challenging to an extent. I mean, I made it through it solo, but it felt meaty and you could probably even beef it up a little bit more by leaving those mechanics still there. Lucent Hive Papa Super, you can still get just railed. Like, you see that void shield flying at you? There's not a lot that's going to happen if it bounces your direction. You're kind of toast. Suppressing grenade can end your, your run. Oh, man. Yeah, when you get suppressed, over. you're like, whoa. And then your mobility's down and all. Like, those were mechanics that felt really threatening in the right moments, but you could tackle them. If you wanted to run up and shotgun them, you could. If you wanted to play back with a sniper, you could. You could build into your own playstyle if you want to. If you wanted to run up with now a, a glaive that does 97% shield reduction and smack them around with your glaive, theoretically you could do that too. But when you have champions in there, and maybe it's barrier and overload, can't use my glaive. That's out now. So you get limited so much in that way. And did either of you guys try Master Vow? No, no, absolutely not. Can you do it on your own? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's, no, no, it's filled it. with champions. <laughs> yeah, it is filled place. with more no. champions. So screw that. Here's my proposal. Either do more light bearers. You know, what would be great. You know what they should do for for master raids is they should take a page from Elden Ring's book and just make like a an activity that you can queue into where you're like, you know, becoming a disciple of the darkness and you just like load into raids as a hostile enemy uh, every once in a while, like, you know. Oh, like an oh, invader? 
Yeah, an oh. invader. That's what they should do. Oh that my would God. be way harder. That'd be way I harder than not, champions. I do not know about that. <laughs> That's Gambit's like Gambit. Six that's on like one. That's it's like Gambit raids, though, and all of a yeah. sudden, this like just saying that would it works be in ridiculous. Let's, let's throw it in. Some let's warlock try it. coming let's try in it, with put that put in put in the labs, Bungie. Let's see what happens. <laughs> all right, warlock coming in, floating in the air with the AC. Yeah, just AC one thirty, just <laughs> rain and hell just, fire from above. I think I'm getting shot <laughs> from about forty meters up. Yeah. That warlock. Yeah. All right, I want to talk about just like the idea of adapt versus craftable raid weapons, but I kind of want to put a pin in that till the end. So let me get see if we can get through some of the perks. Uh, opening shot has been fairly nerfed on shotguns. Not going to feel nearly as potent. Snapshot sights is going to be a little less snappy for special weapons. They're trying to make sniper rifles not require that perk so much. Full choke is going to be a little less of a narrowing of the spread. Smoothbore is going to be a little less of the widening of the spread. Desperado is not going to fire as fast, but the PVE penalty is removed because they're trying to get a little more uh, flexibility what weapons they can put that on air assault is actually being brought back and it's rebuilt which will now grant plus 60 airborne effectiveness when you're wounded so oh. it's going to work the same way eye of the storm would work so if you are wounded probably like lose your shield for example when your screen goes red you're going to be much more effective in the air so in theory if you are one of those who lean into that and that's your like crutch then in the air you're Pretty much you. That's one of those moments where if you are hurt and you've got stompies on that plus 60 almost would counter it for you if you lean into that play style. Uh, Mulligan still sucks. I think I don't think it's going to matter. <laughs> it says increased chance to return ammo on a miss from 20 to 35 percent on primary weapons. Unchanged on special or heavy. Nobody runs it. It's not worth it on primary Ew. for damn sure. So no, thank you. Uh, compulsive yeah. reloader got a little snappier, uh, faster reload buff from 40 to 50 and the reload animation is about 5% faster. Adagio shout out to Fallout's video that is no longer useful. Slug shotguns were able to get a one shot body kill with Adagio. They turned that down for shotguns from 30 to 20%. So it won't do that. Uh, and then Icarus grip has just been updated for the new airborne effectiveness that you've got plus 15 airborne for regular and adept is plus 15 plus five handling. Um, also for weapons that kind of tell you what's leaving in season 17. So for Iron Banner included Finality, Finite Impactor, Nightfall's Comedian Palindrome is going away at the end of this season. Trials, Shire's Wrath and Messenger are leaving in season 18. So season 18 is going to be your last time to earn these. Peace Bond Sidearm, Archon's Thunder, Nightfall's Plug One and Hothead, Trials, Eye of Soul and Summoner. So if you are looking at any of those as weapons you want to grind for, have options of, those are your time windows to work on getting those. And then for abilities, we got some quick changes before Gambit Labs, which seems like a joke. Axiom Bolts have a, their base cooldown increased from 91 seconds to 152 seconds. So they got a minute increased on their cooldown time. Titan's Barricade, when you're using Bastion, also had its um, base time bumped up by 30 seconds to match the Warlock Rift. Offensive Bulwark now provides 60% less grenade energy in PvP game modes. PvE is still unchanged. Whisper of Chains now provides 15% instead of 25% damage resistance when you're near a crystal. Unchanged in PvE. Renewal Grasp got shot in the face, I'm pretty sure. While equipped, Renewal Grasp increased the base cooldown of Dustfield Grenades from 62 to 152 seconds. 
and the outgoing damage penalty applied to player victims in Renewal Grasp is reduced from 50% to 20% unchanged on PvE. Any big shout-outs in the abilities for you guys, besides most things got longer cooldowns? Yeah. Uh, I think it it speaks to the fact that they're trying to make abilities play less of a role, which has kind of been their uh, motto for the past couple months, maybe even longer. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, some of these, I'm, I argue, I would argue, aren't really good enough to warrant having a longer cooldown. <laughs> but, uh... uh Go for it, man. You do you, Destiny. I don't. I don't know. I don't have any strong opinions on this one. And I was like, for me, I would just say Axiom Bolts. You, do, I do get chased by those. I feel like they're a little spammy oh, yeah. right the, now. The, that one, that one, I could not care less about. I was like, yeah, those suck. And again, the Titan Power of the Barricade. They do want to give you the Overshield, but making it a longer cooldown seems like a fair trade-off because, especially if it matches the Rift, that seems balanced. Um, also gives you a reason to make your resilience higher. class ability come back. Because I never do that. Anytime it's like, oh, we'll make your class ability come back. I'm like, what? That barricade shield I use like once per match? Yeah, for sure. I definitely want to increase that cooldown. But, uh, you know, now that it gives you an overshield, I definitely use it more often. Yes. What about you, Mondo? Any any standouts in there? Changes for your playstyle? Not really. Most of it. Most of it's PvP. Uh... What you got against PvP, bro? <laughs> what exactly what I've got to do, bro. Uh... Are you are you carrying me through trails? I'm up sure, for that. If you want to? Yeah, we'll yeah, hundred percent. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, the Axiom Bolt one. Yeah, I'm. I'm that 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 that's okay, but the rest of it? Question marks. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just have to see. Again, how it feels. all of these, we just have to see exactly. We just yeah. have to see how how the, how they're they're applied. Yep. Uh, Gambit Labs is going to be the moat thief version. So now if you have multiple blockers, you're not going to be draining moats. Instead, every second the invader is invading, one moat drains directly from the bank. Now, I love how that is a bullet point, And yet below it separately, they say, keep in mind, inv invaders need to be near the bank in order to drain moats. That is the first time I've heard them say that about this. So instead of like invading and then being like hide and go seek, which is what they say, they don't want it to be hide and go seek. I really hope it says you need to be near the bank uh, like on the game screen somewhere. Otherwise nobody's going to know people invade and be like, why aren't they draining? Now granted. Yeah. You could go pop a bubble on their bank and be really annoying. I get that. Maybe a well of radiance just to be ultra frustrating to just be hard to kill. Honestly, I think people are just going to be shooting rockets at the bank to kill the guy and then go back to what they were doing since everybody has rockets now with heavy ammo. So I don't know if this is going to do that much. Are you guys even going to touch gambit labs next week? I didn't touch it last time. Nope. Is that is that is the question Gambit Labs or Gambit? Just either way, it's no. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> then, what, then why do you need the clarification if the yeah, answer is no, no matter what? Yeah. It, Travis, come on now. It's called. It, I'll, I'll savor in the moment now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. Gambit sucks. I will not play it. Uh, yeah. Shout out a quick to Necromancer Zale with another ten dollars super chat message for Bungie. If you guys are listening. Um, don't hate us too much. They are, they are for sure. <laughs> Can we please get more matching making in events like nightfall and seasonal activities? I'm a solo player. Rarely ever do I have a bad matchmaking experience. Maybe low level raid. Raid would be tough, but I can tell you at this point, 
matchmaking 100% should be on legend difficulty anything at this point. Because if it's matching the powerful gear, not even pinnacle, not above pinnacle, the powerful gear cap. Probably you need I've, to be you probably need to be close to the powerful gear cap to do that one match made, I would say, unless you just want to do it by yourself and under leveled. But if you're within about 10 levels of like, say, 1550 for legend, that should be match made, I feel like, or at least have the option to try. I have an idea for the matchmaking. I've had this idea for a while. You could matchmake. You could put matchmaking in Destiny in a different way, right? It's not quite matchmaking, but if you had like what you can do with private matches, but have it for like social spaces where you could select to join a social space with people who are looking to raid or they're looking to do trials or, and make fire teams that way instead of just loading into the activity with five other people. You could somewhere you could create a fire team. I mean, I, I think that I'm not sure how you how that would work technically. You know, the yeah, actual like, I mean, even in something like cold. Like even in something like World of Warcraft, there are massive social spaces. But when you go to say search for a dungeon, it's still typically done through a menu based situation. Just to like walk up and like tap somebody on the shoulder in the tower and be like, "Hey, do you want to go play?" That's harder to do than having a focused way to filter people into wanting to do an activity. So. I don't know if the social... I fully agree that matchmaking should be on for certain activities or have an option, at least. Because as Mike G said, solo players can't even complete the war table. That's a frustrating thing for a lot of people. Um, some people theoretically could go through and do Legend solo. Some people won't be able to. But if it's part of your like season activity, the fact that, yeah, it's a higher difficulty, but it's not like drastically changing the mechanics. I feel like they you know put a couple warnings. You need Unstoppable. You need Barrier. You need whatever it is. But then, honestly, go ahead and just make it match made. I feel like Legend at this point is not a dramatic change in difficulty. It's not going to be scary enough that matchmaking is going to make it a horrible experience. Maybe have a minimum level cap or something like that, but that's probably about all I would say. I don't want to try and carry somebody who's like 1450 and through a master through a Legend Nightfall. That doesn't sound fun. But outside of that, that's pretty much my only piece. And that is most of the TWAB. So we actually made it through a lot of it right at about two hours. So the last thing that I want to talk to you guys about is uh, the Master Raid. But it's the idea of what crafting has done to the actual Master Raid. And we've got Adept Weapons that can use Adept Mods. They are going to likely see two perks in the third and fourth slot. And you get those, you get a random... Adept weapon seems like it's probably on a, a knockout list. So you'll probably get each one once first and you get it from the challenge that week on master difficulty, or you can craft your weapons from the raid by getting the set number of patterns, but you have the ability to go after your basically perfect God roll. You have access to two enhanced perks. And in the event that something like today happens where we have a massive sandbox shift, or perks change, or whatever it is, if your favorite perk on your god roll gets nerfed, well, now you can go craft and switch it. So the way I describe that, yeah, sure, I'm leading the witness, but adept weapons at this point feel, and I'm saying this from multiple people in the community, feel very pointless to go for. Like Master Vog, people said there wasn't a lot of benefit to them in the first place. And again, they're kind of stingy on where you could get it. But even on that one, if you were going to go for... Fatebringer, you would at least farm for it. But now that we have craftable, now that we have enhanced perks, adepts really feel like they're in a bad place. The master raid outside of doing the triumphs 
feel like they are not worth your time. So I wanted to ask you guys, is there something you think that they could do to adept weapons to make them worthwhile? Or do you think at this point, maybe it's something that needs a complete rework, revisit, or otherwise? Where are you guys at on the way things are sitting with these master level raid weapons dropping adept that hardly can match crafted in the first place? If not even be as good. Should probably pass this over to the guy who does all of these activities. <laughs> Mondo, what do you think? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I haven't done Master Fog yet, but uh, Master uh, Bow. Yeah, but you you, My, you grind for adepts. Uh, I get a lot of adepts, yeah. I think, see, our problem with the craftable weapons, that the craftable perks, especially in the enhanced, kind of not worth it. You know, some of them anyway. They just don't improve the perk enough. You know, uh, the explosive light perk that everybody was going after, having the enhanced, it, it just increases the projectile speed a little bit. It doesn't do anything to the damage. You know, I think they've started to do stuff stuff with adepts, and somebody who's done Master, Master Vow would probably know this better. I'm not sure what, although you've got Soul Drinker on the, the raid weapons, right? Where you reload, and based on hits, you get health back. Yeah. They've started to do stuff like that on adept weapons, right? So the adept weapons from the raid, if, let's say for talking sakes, next season it's sniper for barriers, you get health back for stunning that. You get health back and it refills, partially refills the magazine on stunning a champion. So whereas I, I believe that I think it goes further than that. I, I, I don't think adept weapons are the end all and be all because of gob rolls. But uh, if you're talking about adept weapons from the raid, then I think just the raid weapon itself probably is enough. But I mean, being able to put adept big ones on or something like that that does Vorpal, boss, and major spec all in one go type of thing. I don't know. I just. <laughs> haven't used them. the read pulse rifle is awesome oh i, I love the adept version i don't know if the adept version would make it you know a completely different weapon to the normal apart from being able to put an adept perk on well the difference is when you take insidious that you can craft i can get say enhanced rapid hit and i could get enhanced rap rampage for example so enhanced exactly. rapid hit you can get um substantial boosts to stability and reload speed and then rampage it actually extends the duration of rampage and then you could even go into rampage spec or i could go dragonfly and pick which spec i want to do that's already enhanced so you've got these enhanced traits and seeing the enhanced there is reload plus four there's an adept mod that's like reload plus 10 the plus six not really a big difference when you yeah. have the option for some some are you know, some adept mods are going to be better. But again, is it worth trying to put together a group at 1580, then try and do the challenge, which we already talked about. The challenges are all tedious this time around because every challenge makes you basically play worse. I talked about this with Scara last night. So you have to play in a way that is less than optimal to get the adept weapon to drop. And then you have to go through the world of hopeful RNG 
to where you're like, am I going to get a god roll? You could honestly get a good barrel and two god roll perks that you want and maybe even the masterwork. But what if you get the wrong magazine on that Insidious Adept version? Or I can go craft one that is a god roll and it's got enhanced perks. There's just not a place but, where it but looks am like. Am I right and correct? Am I correct in saying that you actually have to find five of those weapons first to be able to craft it? Correct, you do. Yeah. So you've got to find. So the master raid offers a one and done as opposed to farming for five of them. In theory. That might be the only difference because not everybody goes into the raid five, you know, will be lucky enough to get that. Because there is a lot of players in Destiny that either maybe hit the raid, get to do it once, or don't even raid at all. So in in theory, that is correct. Because, yes, you could get lucky, go into Caretaker, and get an Adept Insidious that's a god roll on your first time doing it. But, take into account the person you just described. The person who barely does a raid in the first place, probably not going to do a Master first. And if they are going to do master, they've already probably run the raid a little while to get used to it, gotten a feel for it. And if you're going to go run master, it's not going to be the average casual be like, hey, can you drag me through master vow of the disciple where I've got to do a challenge where you got to do one tedious thing every time on caretaker. The type of person who might be lucky enough to do a raid is probably going to do regular in the first place would be my guess personally. So and it's also the fact that it's RNG. So that's the like you could I can answer that. Because there's people in the chat who done exactly what you said people don't do, that beat the master raid when they hadn't actually beat the normal because it was one checkpoint. And check, know, it's, it's, checkpoints it, yeah. are a thing. That's true. That's fair. Um, you know, I'm I'm not saying that there's. I'm just saying that there's all there's got to be a you know yeah there has to be a plus and a minus on both sides. You know, there has to be an argument for and against. I think there is a place for adepts. But I think there's also a place for crafting. I think it buys into the type of player you are. Do you have the ability to go and farm for these weapons and build a good weapon? I think sometimes some people have to, I don't want to say lump, but take, you know, oh, I've got my adept weapon, I'm fine. The perks aren't great, but I've got an adept weapon which increases all the stats and I can put the mod on and, you know. So I, I, I don't really think it's a big deal either way, to be fair. Yeah, that's just I, my opinion. I I kind of think uh, adepts aren't much better than uh, craftable weapons, and they carry with it certain risks. And I think that that's okay. I think this is a situation where Destiny players are a little too close to the game and don't realize that uh, it's actually set up in a way that makes sense. So like. If you're the average Destiny player, you're probably not even going to craft weapons just because even that takes kind of a lot of, of effort. You have to to craft a raid weapon. You have to get it five times in you know a red frame state, which is already like way, way more than the average Destiny player plays. So there's like this kind of bottom tier of people who don't do crafting at all. And then there's a, like what I would say, like the middle tier, the core like Destiny player who maybe is is uh you know a regular player but not super ultra hardcore has to do every event not not the teddies of the world right not the not the mondos um and those people are probably going to use crafting and they'll use it to get like 85 percent of the way to like you know a, a top 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 s tier like god roll because uh they can and, and it's also easier to manage because as you said e, they can just re-roll the perks and that makes it that makes the barrier of entry to having like pretty good weapons somewhat accessible i mean it's still 
crazy that you would have to do a raid five times, but um, it's still, you know, somewhat in the ballpark of like, if you're a regular player, you can get there. Yep. And then I view adept weapons as being like just the upper, upper, upper echelon. And for those ones, I feel like you want to make them as inaccessible as possible because one, those are really for the people who play destiny constantly that have, you know, 7,000 hours on it. And like, just like doing that sort of content and they need things to chase. That's part of why they play. And also it's sort of okay if those hard won perks then get, you know, debuffed and then they have to roll, you know, farm for a different role because that's sort of why you're chasing adept weapons anyway. So I feel like they should be better, but not that much better because if they're See, so are they good actually, that it be- So I guess here's my question. Are they actually better? Are adept they, mods better than two enhanced traits and the flexibility, as you just said, if the sandbox shifts to go grind for that hopeful so, again god roll versus I have a crafted weapon that's 95% yeah. of the way there and I can switch the mod because or I can switch the trait yeah. because it is crafted. And that's the I, point I where it's like they, my question better, is how? That's I my think question. They're better, they're, they're better without the flexibility factor, but I think that that's okay because... The flexibility isn't that's for the casual audience. I mean, the, the 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 people who are, you know, the super elites are going to grind for the God role regardless. And some people like that. Some people look at the crafting and go, oh, that ruins what I like about Destiny, which is grinding for that God role. And so I think adept should be better when you're just looking at like one to one. But crafting should be better long term because it's it, its whole purpose is to kind of give players like myself, frankly, I'm like a player who like, I hate doing the same activities over and over again. It just, it bores the crap out of me. So I don't want to have to do a grandmaster nightfall, you know, five times in a week just to, to get a God roll. But crafting gives me a way to sort of feel like I'm in that zone of getting God rolls without having to, you know, hate destiny because I'm having to play it so much and, and uh, grind for a certain role. So I think, I think it is, the, the goal should be adept weapons are better in the short term if you get a god roll, worse in the long term because uh, craftable weapons have a, uh, a a better kind of utility and more flexibility that, that I think is better for a casual audience. But I think that that's a feature, not a bug. And I don't think adept weapons should be significantly better than craftable weapons because then it makes that content mandatory. So people like me who just skip Grandmaster Nightfalls because we don't we don't get a kick out of it, all of a sudden feel like we have to if we want to be competitive and crucible or if we want to be part of the meta and PvE. And I feel like that is a line where you're going to make all your players hate your game if they feel like they have to get god roll adept weapons and that becomes a problem. So I kind of view it as like the way things are now is kind of working i think they could do a little tweak here or there maybe adept weapons could be a little bit stronger but i don't think that they should be infinitely stronger and i don't think that they should have the same flexibility as craftable weapons because the chase is kind of part of that sandbox for players so i'm looking at it like kind of seeing the beauty of the system that they've created uh but i I get why people feel like they're getting you know slapped in the face when they grind for an adept weapon and it's barely stronger and then it it becomes not relevant a season later. I get why they're saying that, but what I would say to those people is you chose this life. You are voluntarily doing the super extra, super optional piece of destiny that you don't need to do. Um, and so, you know, that's sort of the risk that you have when you do that. That's sort of what you're agreeing to, I think. So I don't know. I, I kind of see it as not really a problem personally. 
Well, maybe that's just one of those where we're going to just have a difference of opinion. I guess for me, it's the point of if you literally said that the adept weapon isn't in the long term going to be as good as the crafted weapon. But in theory, it could take me just as long to get the adept weapon as the crafted weapon or longer if my luck is bad. You're limited on the number of adept weapons you can get through your account every week. Unless you do want to cash in a bunch of tokens, but then you still got to earn those back. But then on the other side, if I'm unlucky and I get crap adept, crap adept, crap adept every time, and then I finally have crafted my god roll, that effort put into trying to get the adept weapon was all for naught because now I just made the other one and I could have done that exact same thing without going for the adept. Does that make sense? Or am I crazy? Mondo, no, I Mondo do you have any opinion I can here? See, I, can, I, can, I can see what you're saying there. And, I, and, and, and with that, I kind of... Again, I just, I, the only thought I've got on craftable read adept weapons versus, uh, sorry, craftable read weapons versus adept weapons, which ones are better, is literally the points that have been made. The only thing that you can say is if you craft a weapon, you can, when, the, when we get seven, nine thousand word twabs, yeah. you can adjust your build or your weapon to suit if there's something's going to be really strong or blah, blah. but that's to say that those perks are going to be part of that being able to build that weapon because they're limited in their perks right but I agree that it's a better adept weapons it's more for me the reason why people go after adept weapons I believe is because you do get that stat boost in every stat do you, could you, if I gave you a blind test and said, here is the exact perks on an Insidious. One is adept well, that has been masterworked. One is not, but every other piece of that gun is the same. Do you think you could tell them apart? And that stat boost is what, two on each stat? Uh, pro probably not. Okay, so then... Until you is put that the adept big ones on and asked me to shoot up. Adept Big then Ones I is one of the few crutch, crutch things that Adept has is the fact that it's Majors and Boss Spec put together. That is like yeah. one of the few things Adept weapons have. That's like literally it. But then on the other side, you could have Rampage last a little longer. Adept weapons can't have enhanced perks. Do you think Adept weapons should get enhanced perks? Either of you guys. Yes. Travis, do you think they should get enhanced perks as maybe a, just um, a lucky chance? Maybe. Again, I think adept weapons should be stronger in the short term. I just don't think that they should be much stronger because my fear is that those weapons are so good they feel mandatory or they define the meta or you have people saying, oh no, I don't want to do trials run with you or oh no, I don't want to run the raid with you because you don't have this adept weapon that has got enhanced perks and that just is going to alienate people. I feel like people who are in like the, oh, let's call them casual hardcore where they play Destiny every week but they don't like beat themselves up to get every single triumph and every single depth weapon. I feel like those people are vital to the ex uh, to the, um, the uh, destiny community and that they need to, uh, they need to feel like they can miss out on adepts and it's not the end of the world. And so to that, to that, you know, end, I would just say adept weapons should be good, but not much better. And I think right now they're kind of in that spot. If you disagree that they're just like, not even better like that that crafting weapons 
is actually better in the short term than getting a god roll depth weapon, then yeah, maybe maybe uh, maybe they need a little bit of a buff. But I'm just wary of giving a depth weapons too much of a buff because if they feel mandatory, it's really gonna suck. It's gonna suck for the vast majority of players who don't want to grind for depths. And I'm one of them, by the way. I I mean I have trials of depth weapons just by by circumstance because right. I play a lot of trials, but I don't have any. Uh, you know, nightfall weapons. I don't have any raid adept weapons. I just, I don't go for that content. So um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm wary of it, man. I mean, I, I get what you guys are saying. I truly do. And the raid is unique because nightfalls, they're not craftable right now. There's not a craftable hung jury or hothead or comedian or whatever's coming through the nightfall. Those are not craftable right now. I don't know if those theoretically ever will be. And that's where having the adept, gives the person to go after the Grand Master. My thought is take the first raid encounter with the totems. The challenge mode with the Unstoppable Champions, while I know people have done it, I get that, but the cha- the effort of getting the challenge mode done to get the drop doesn't feel like, to me personally, the juice is worth the squeeze. Now, people probably have that encounter good, and that's fine, but the groups that are able to do the challenge mode on master to get an adept drop, even for their sake, the fact that it's RNG is I think what hurts. There's not even curated roles this time around. It's not like fate bringer has two perks on the bottom. When you get a time lost fate bringer two are random and two are what you would consider the God role. So if you do actually complete that challenge, you've got a solid weapon base. It's just four perks that are random and it's the RNG nature of adept weapons that I don't think are enough personally, because you could get junk for just as long in regular and master. And I think the junk randomness is what hurts this specific raid adept weapon to me. The If we're talking about effort versus reward. Yes, that's part of my issue with this. Well, if you're talking about that, then there is no argument. If you can, if you can get, if you can go through a normal read, chew through a normal read, read relentlessly, you know, three times a week, keep doing it. Get your red bar weapons. I think there's a chest that might give you red bars, or yeah, it you gives get, a chance you to get red bar. symbols. You can get a guaranteed red bar. Yeah, right. So you can you can predictably after two weeks, if you read on each character, you can craft what. Well, that's saying you get the same weapon. Right, you, you could, yeah. you could. There's a, there's you know, a path. A there's a, there's a path in a to get there. Yeah. World in the second week, you could craft. If that's what we're talking about, which is a different thing from are they better? Then I agree on if if using that as the 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 template. Then yeah, for the ease I, of getting it, then yeah, yeah, okay. then then, yeah. then you have to I take agree, the craft. But I, I don't think that that's the argument. I think that it no, should be. It, abnormally hard for a minor benefit. I think that that's how it should be. But I think if you take adept weapons across the board, though, and if if we're just talking about adept weapons across the board, right? If you're talking about the raid, I think it's, as you've said, it is a little bit more difficult to get the adept weapon and then you want the right role. Whereas if you do something like a GM on a double double reward week you know i ran three yesterday and got two snipers from each one all with different perks and i actually got open and short snapshot no lucky you whoops nice <laughs> well it's, 
for now. Don't know how good it's going to be now. Well, but you know, it's still the, the reward was definitely worth the effort. You know, because yeah. it wasn't took, never took me ages to do them. But you go into the raid, and the effort of doing challenge mode to get one that, or even two that might might not be very good. Then yeah, I have to agree. You you would you would definitely go with the crafting method in those circumstances. Yeah, it's it's just a weird. It's kind of brought this whole crafting idea where some people are like, this is the issues with crafting. That's all Tassie say that. And this is like, this is the issue with master content. I'm in this weird point where I'm not entirely sure the juice is worth the squeeze. Some, some of you guys think that, in my mind, the adept weapons aren't better because to me, outside of adept big ones, which even is probably still debatable, two enhanced traits versus an adept mod and like two on each stat, to me doesn't even make the adept mod better and in some cases quite a few you could say the adept weapon is actually worse than the craftable weapon that's i guess my issue is the fact that enhanced traits do not seem to be capable on those and it just makes it to where and again we'll wrap this up but it's just it's a weird state right now so i will be very curious if they take the feedback because i know there's been quite a bit in this that is the time value again doing the difficult stuff should be worth something even if it is just incrementally better, theoretically right now, it's incrementally worse in certain situations. And that's where I think it's just this weird state where we're at. So Just the long term, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main disadvantage. And I think it probably should be. Yep. So that's one. I mean, that was, again, I talked about that with Scarrow. If you guys want to see that chat, I'm going to post it up on Saturday. Wanted to talk about that with you guys. Cog is busy. I would have loved to have had his thoughts on this one. We'll have to kind of pick his brain next week. Shout out to uh, our guest next week, by the way. Got Jarv coming in. So we're going to keep uh, another guy from across the pond. Just keep the European guests coming over. So hopefully they're all getting some sleep after the show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll be checking out probably Guardian Games preview during that one and everything else. But it is, and I'll have to pick their brain on it too. Because it is, I'm seeing this a lot on Twitter. I will be very curious where all of this lands. Because when you go through and put your effort into these very difficult things. At some point, it does feel like it needs to be worth the effort for more people, or I think less people will find a reason to do some of these things, especially now that crafting is giving you an alternative before it wasn't there. And this was actually a way like Vogue. This was your like better perks, curated roles. It was a much faster way to go after a weapon. Theoretically. Now that may not be the case, which is why it's interesting. So I'll just be curious where it settles. Um, but honestly, Mondo, thank you for joining us tonight. I think this is where we are going to wrap this thing up. At this point, this is one of those times where I want to say the floor is yours, where people can find you, check out your content, what you'll be doing, what they can expect from you. Literally, this is the time to self-promote the living crap out of yourself. So go for it. I'm on YouTube. No. <laughs> and you, you are so good me. at this. Yeah. Well, I'm not really good at self-promoting. Uh, I'm... I'm at Gage. You'll find me at YouTube, uh, Live Mondo, and you can find me on Twitter at Live Mondo. Very nice. Yes, go please it's follow this guy. Check sense. out his guy. Check out his guides. Live Mondo on YouTube and Live Mondo on Twitter. Please follow him. Get this man some more subscribers. If you guys listen to this show, subscribe to his channel. Great content. Nice guy, and he'll walk your solo butt through some of the stuff that I haven't even done in a while. So. Please check out his content. Very, very nice guy and very patient in a similar way to walk you through complete encounters. So please, please support him and get him some love on his channel. I'd appreciate that. Travis, what about you? Guys you guys don't see each other as competitors? Yeah. 
Honestly, <laughs> I mean, he's aren't, doing aren't you, don't you guys kind of compete for the same, uh, the same viewers, kind of? I mean, really. in theory, but also what? he does grandmasters, and I haven't scratched those in a while. If I got into grandmasters, that might be. But even then, different people are going to have different perspectives. They like different ways things are explained. I've heard that enough times where people like, I'll watch multiple videos over one thing just to kind of get an idea. So I, no, I was like, there's about four or five of us that all kind of do five, maybe six that do all the same things. I don't see anybody as a competitor, same way that I wouldn't self promote because, you know, people, people that want to find you will find you and they'll stay with you, Yeah, you know, because, and I like to support everybody in what they do. You know, I, I, the only person I'll ever compete with is me. I don't compete with anyone else. Abontis does a lot of cool content. He does a lot of explanation, a lot of breakdowns, stuff like that. I don't really do anything like that, but I always, I always watch to show some support because I support everybody that does the type of stuff that I do. That's awesome. That's a great mentality to have. Pretty communist of you, but I accept <laughs> Um, I'll accept that trailers run at the weekend. By the way, Travis, <laughs> I'm down. Actually, yeah. Well, yeah. Who knows if I? I've I've not played a ton of Crucible this uh, season just because. Oh, been the excuses have already started. But I'm okay, down. Then. I'll I'm carry down. you. Down. Then. I'm down. We'll no. get through it. Uh, actually, <laughs> yeah, man, I've got I'm a good. friend. I've got a friend I've been going flawless with um, pretty regularly. So if he's on this weekend, I'll I'll get you in. Yeah, um, man. I'd love that for sure. Uh, cool. Yeah, you can find uh, me on Twitter at Travis if you care about my tweets. Um, I also uh, have a bunch of content on IGN.com. Ebontis uh, e, uh, e, e reminded me that I did do the preview for Outriders World Slayer, so you can see that live on IGN.com or YouTube. Um, I, I've got the review for Postal 4, upcoming review for Trek Diomi. Uh, you can you know find all that on IGN.com. Uh, and then... Um, I also have a Destiny raid guide, weirdly, which is super late. I don't know why, no, why like, we decided to make this content. Eventually, I, but, uh, I honestly want to do one of those, at least for regular as well. Just yeah, because I know certain parts, especially like exhibition. I'm Mine would probably take way too long to put together, so it'll be later than yours. But it's the idea of like yeah. showing stuff from every encounter. Like the stupid detailed way I would do mine. Yeah, I mean, there's... I can tell you, after having one of my videos be later to the party than it's ever been and get exploding, you never know if it's going to be the thing that hits. And it's you true. guys are big enough that, hell, it's probably going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be okay. Uh, the reason it's taking so long now, I finished the script and the footage and all that, it's just because I'm editing the video myself, which is, is the first time I've done that since college. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, it, that's why it's taking so long. Um and uh, yeah, that, that's it for me. Um, you can watch a show I do on, on Sundays called BitCast uh, that happens at uh, 8 a.m. Pacific as well. If you want to hear me talk about general games industry, non-Destiny specific stuff. Um, other than that, uh, how about you, E? Uh, yeah, so playing a little Destiny over the weekend, playing, trying to get to the end of Elden Ring, um, finish the Fire Giant, haven't touched the big goblet yet, so I'm, I'm getting close. Millennia, uh, millennia. No, Melina, if I'm saying it right. She's Melina. apparently bugged after the patch where she will, her crazy multiple hit move, even if it doesn't hit you, heals her right now. Ooh. So I'm going to back, I'm going to leave nasty. her sitting out there until I basically almost finish the game, but I do want to go through and work towards some of the other progression stuff. I'm fairly, I'm not close to the end, but I'm like, I'm towards the latter part of it. And I do want to kind of like 
at least put How a pin in that. I've got and I've looked up some of the later boss areas to go. I've looked up a couple things. I honestly got to a point where I wanted to like craft one of the like the preserving bullets just for like crimson rot, and I had missed the book somewhere. And I was like, I need to find this damn book. And it was some random vendor that I had like walked by or didn't have money at that moment. It was just weird stuff like that. So I'd I checked off a couple of things and then peeked ahead to just have an idea. Um Eater. But yes, um the Outriders World Slayer preview I got on my channel as well. So that one is up. I had fun in World Slayer or Outriders for about 50 hours. And then we know the bugs and the and the inventories and Cog had his login issues for a while. But at this point, honestly. They've done a lot of quality of life stuff. Looks like this is going to add a nice little in-game grind. And there's a piece that we don't even know about yet. So I'm still curious. And I think in June, if it's about a month after a Destiny season launches, will probably be a nice place for that to launch if you're not playing anything else. I think it'll actually come down in a very good spot. Uh, but again, Mondo, thank you very much for joining us. It was a pleasure having you tonight. And I just wanted to say thank you for losing some sleep to chat with us over here in the states because i know it is late for you so i really really do appreciate your um, time I'm tonight i'm about to go and run some content after this <laughs> sure, oh sure. God. dude go psychopath him and and then he's still probably going to get up in two hours as his kids start making i don't know how you do it man you are you are a he's... legend you're a legend sir so we thank you for your time for all of you in chat thank all of you, you have very been amazing for, for having me absolutely enjoyed this immensely um Thank you for all the super chats, the likes. If you enjoyed the show, drop a like on the show. Please, again, subscribe, follow, like all of these people's amazing content. And for everybody in here for this episode tonight on April 21st, thank God I didn't get jury duty. Uh, we're wrapping this one up. So have a good one, everybody. And it has been The, the Last, last Word. word.